We're going to call to order the Broward County Board of County Commissioners Budget Workshop this August 29, 2023, almost about 5 after 10. And, and, um, and, 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 Board members and ladies in the audience and gentlemen in the audience, just wanted to um, kind of bring forth a, a sad day that happened yesterday, um, not only for Broward County, but personally, being in my hometown of Pompano Beach and knowing all those that were affected. Uh, I just want to take some time to ask that, uh, that we as a board and, and those listening and those in the audience that we remember um, the tragic death of not only one of our own firefighters, but also civilians as well. And it could have been so much worse, I guess, as you look at it. But uh, I just asked um, that we ask uh, God to be with the families of this tragedy and to ask for healing hearts for them. Uh, it doesn't get any easier uh, for them, children being involved, etc. So I just wanted to send our condolences to the families and to have them in continual prayer for for them and as they get through this tragic time and to let them know that Broward County is there for them. Uh, our fire and police are, are with them. We just want to remember them. So let's just have a quick moment of silence if we can. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll also, administration and, and our, myself will be with the sheriff this afternoon to continue how we plan out and what we do in the future. Okay, so we have several subjects that we're gonna to cover today, Ms. Sapiro, um, and you have your confident, wonderful team with you. So I'm gonna turn it over to you and let you uh, guide us through today. Commissioner Bogan, are you there? We'll make sure I just hung up with phone, him. Okay? Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Sure, I think he might be joining us. It does that feedback, so I'm not sure what yeah, it is going our, on. Yeah, our team is looking at that as well, if you can make sure. Thank you. Um, and, and I just spoke with him, and so he will be calling in momentarily. Okay. <clears throat> um, so as you uh, uh, have before you, uh, there's um, a series of five uh, presentations, um, some of them pretty quick, um, some of them are robust, but uh, we'll get through them hopefully in a pretty um, efficient manner here. The first one that we're going to be talking about uh, this morning is our TDT, our Tourist Development Tax Program, um, and, and so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to our President and CEO, President Visit Lauderdale, Lauderdale. Stacy Ritter, to, to go through um, these slides and give you the good news. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Perrin. Good morning, Commissioners. Mayor, Vice Mayor, thank you very much. Um, let's go to the first slide, which is hotel occupancy. And you've probably heard me say this before, but starting with Q3 of the last fiscal year, we found our post-pandemic baseline. Currently fiscal year through nearly 11 months, occupancy is at 73%, which is 2% higher than the same time this year. Excuse me, same time last year. The yellow dotted line on this slide represents the forecasted occupancy for fiscal year 24. It closely mirrors what we experienced this fiscal year and are forecasted for for a 12-month occupancy of between 72 and 73% for fiscal year 24. The next slide, <clears throat> average daily rate 
or ADR for the fiscal year is up 7% over same time last year, which is an increase of $12.28. While ADR grew in the first half of fiscal year 2023, we matched fiscal year 2022 almost exactly in the second half. <clears throat> Excuse me. We just received the revised forecast two weeks ago and forecasters appear to be very bullish on ADR growth for fiscal year 24, setting the fiscal year 24 ADR at $197. And while we don't set rates, we do have a good pulse on the market and believe the current forecast is aggressive. We anticipate future forecasts will adjust the ADR down to be competitive yet flat with fiscal year 23. Next slide, please. <clears throat> REVPAR, Revenue Per Available Room, also called REVPAR, showed strong growth in the first half of fiscal year 23, attributed to the improvements in both occupancy and ADR. The second half of fiscal year 2023, occupancy and ADR were largely flat, resulting in a flat REVPAR. The REVPAR for forecast for FY24 appears will likely follow a similar pattern to ADR forecast and be adjusted downward a bit to be flat for fiscal year 23. The TDT, next slide, please. TDT yeah, revenue. Commissioner, Commissioner Bogan, if you can just put yourself on mute, that would be great. <clears throat> TDT, you bet. TDT revenue collections through June are 4% higher than same time last year, thanks to our year-over-year -year growth from October through March. We experienced a small decline in collections when comparing April, May, and June to last year, which were record months at that time. Overall, our momentum has slowed a bit. We're not seeing the double-digit growth numbers we experienced last year. But as hard as this is to hear, we knew there was a ceiling, we knew this was not sustainable, and we knew things were going to level out. It, we just weren't sure when, but it appears that things have started to level out. Thankfully, we're genera generating a lot of interest in the Convention Center expansion in the addition of our 801-room headquarter hotel. We are currently negotiating with an association who is interested in booking the center for 2030 and 2031. Thank you, Ms. Schroeder. I'm now going to ask Elijah Anderson from our, our budget office to take over from here on the next couple slides. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, so I'll be going over the tourist development tax program recommendations for FY24 through FY28. As you all recall, the Broward County, we levy all six pennies that we are eligible to do so under state law, with the most recent penny being levied in January of 2018. So this provides a historical perspective of TDT revenue collections dating back to fiscal year 2008. Uh, we use that as a benchmark because you can see the 17% decline that we experienced from fiscal year 2008 to fiscal year 2009. Um, you can then see it takes us a full four fiscal years to get back to a level pre-recession. After that, we have incremental growth until fiscal year 2018. Uh, and the reason it jumps so, so much is because we began to levy that six penny, and we also began to tax Airbnb, VRBO, and HomeAway properties. Um, after that, as you will recall, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we experienced a 27% decline in TDT revenues. But starting in late fiscal year 2021, we began to see record-breaking TDT revenues all the way through March of 2023. Uh, so as a result, our collections in FY22 was $125.3 million. For FY23, uh, FY23, we're projecting $126.5 million. But as Stacy noted, we are seeing some softening in those numbers. So our forecast for FY24 goes down a little bit at $125 million. 
So now I'll be going over some of the, uh, I won't go over each and every line for the sake of time, but this is the start of our TDT program. And um, we're focusing here on the revenues. As you can see, the primary recurring revenue source is those six TDT pennies. And we are forecasting slight growth in the out years, not the explosive growth that we saw um, in 22 and 23. Uh, we also receive revenue from the convention center through parking, as well as the actual <laughs> event revenues. And then we have some revenues associated with the arena. So the rent that the operator pays to us, as well as a sales tax rebate from the state of Florida for having a professional sports team. Um, the other revenues that is mostly comprised of interest earnings. And the reason we have a, a large increase in interest earnings is because if you look down at that FY23 projected amount for fund balance, you can see about 553 million. So that's, our, that's some of the uh, long-term capital projects that are on, the, on our books, like the East and West expansion. So we are getting a decent yield from for those projects. Now we'll go over uh, expenditures that are supported with recurring TDT. Uh, so the first two lines there is Stacy's budget. So that's Visit Lauderdale. Um, Visit Lauderdale staff, they're operating in capital. Uh, the reason it decreases from 26 to 27, from 10.4 to 10 million, is because we no longer expect to have to pay rent uh, because we'll be moving into their new home on the convention center complex. Uh, then the, uh, one of the largest recurring items is their marketing, advertising, and promotions budget. You can see it's hovering around 23 to 24 million. The reason it decreases from 24 to 25 is because 24 includes 1.6 million for some one-time items, um, mostly the Rose Bowl Parade item that Stacy came and talked to you guys about last week, I believe. Um, so although it's not a huge part of the program, that cultural support line I do want to touch on because as part of the FY24 program, we are recommending an increase from $600,000 to $800,000. However, that does require uh, the Board of County Commissioners, you all, to approve an ordinance change to increase that amount. So you can see down at the very last line there, we've put that additional 200,000 in reserve until you all can consider approval of that ordinance change. Um, the next three lines there is our convention center operations. Uh, all in uh, combined for 24, it's around 19 to $20 million. Uh, you can see in the out years, we are expecting uh, the, the cost of operating that convention center to grow. Uh, that's mainly due to the expanded footprint that we're going to have when the East expansion project is completed. Um, lastly, I'll touch on the revenue collection, RTT. This is uh, the records, taxes, and treasury division that collects RTDT. Uh, so it's just I just want to note that it, um, the tax collector, if that responsibility is assumed by them, they do have the authority to charge up to 3% of TDT collections, which would be considerably more expensive than the 800 to 900,000 that it costs RTT to do it at the moment. Um, finally, on this slide, we have the uh, debt services. You all recall the arena debt service that we're paying, as well as our brand new debt service for the 2021 TDT revenue bonds. Those are $29.1 million annually until 2051. And then this last item here, the reserve for future debt service, uh, that is a new for FY24. Uh, there are some potential improvements, additional improvements that may have some associated debt obligations in the future for your consideration. So we were just demonstrating that based on the forecast, it does appear that we would have around 22 million uh, to support a potential debt service should we choose to go that way. On the next slide, this is expenditures that are uh, more expenditures supported with recurring TDT. Um, as part of this FY24 to 28 program, we are recommending the increase of supporting beach, beach projects 
from 7 million to 7.4 million in the out years. Uh, there will be more details on a subsequent slide about that later on. Uh, but we also have some other one-time projects supported with recurring TDT, including brand new place settings for the west and east expansion, uh, new exhibit hall partitions, and then probably the largest line on here when it's combined with one-time TDT is the renovations to the existing convention center. As you all recall, back in the FY23 second supplemental, you approved a uh, $20 million for uh, the start of this project for the renovations to the existing convention center. So we're adding 9 million of recurring in addition to 20 million, which you'll see on the next slide, for a total of 50 million for those renovations to the existing convention center. So those are projects that were not included in the expansion. They include things like carpet replacement, restroom upgrades, as well as ballroom lighting upgrades and, and things of that sort. Lastly, the one other thing I'll note on this slide, because it's brand new to the program in 24, is the Performing Arts Center improvement, which is receiving an annual allocation of one million. Uh, it is important to note that this funding is contingent upon a cost share agreement with the city of Fort Lauderdale and the Broward County Performing Arts Authority. So next we have uh, the TDT items that are supported with one-time money. So this is the slide where you're able to see a lot of the stuff that's going on in the background and not receiving new TDT funding in 24. So there you can see the East Expansion Project as well as the West Expansion Project. Uh, but the largest item on here is that additional 20.3 million of one time that's coupled with the 9 million of recurring and the 20 million from the second supplemental for that $50 million existing convention center project. And our final slide here that we'll go over is our, uh, our mainly our reserves. So our reserves consist of the traditional Visit Lauderdale Reserve, the Convention Center Reserve, uh, but we also have that reserve for future debt service, as well as a $39.4 million reserve for revenue fluctuation should we encounter any um, shocks to the revenue source like the recession or the pandemic. So now we'll go into a little bit more detail on the beach program. You can see that in addition to interest earnings and fund balance, uh, we are recommending that increase annual contribution of TDT to the beach projects of 7 million to 7.4 million in the out years. And these are the projects that the program is uh, supporting in 24 through 28. You can see that most of the funding is going to the Port Everglades Inlet Management Plan, but in the out years, a considerable amount is allocated to the beach hotspot projects. Um, but we are doing an annual allocation for sand dune restoration, as well as uh, the beach program support, which is the staff and operating costs to run this program. So now we're gonna go into a little bit more detail about the challenges and needs that compete for TDT funding on an annual basis. Of course, we have economic uncertainty, mainly inflation, the cost of flying, driving, going anywhere, staying in hotels has obviously gone up. Uh, so the impact on the consumer is of concern. Uh, but as Stacy was alluding to, uh, we're, we're looking at travel to Florida reaching a plateau. As you guys know, Florida was one of the only places open during the pandemic, so a lot of people came down here. Uh, but now as more places open up and there's more destinations, especially international destinations that are available, uh, consumers might choose to go elsewhere. Um, the next two items are debt service related. So I already mentioned that annual payment of 29.1 million that will go until 2051. And then there's potentially future parking structure and other related improvements and any associated debt obligations uh, going forward. Uh, then we have cost increases to beach renourishment, which we'll go into detail more later on. And then future maintenance and capital needs at the arena, which is approaching uh, 30 years of age soon. So how do we combat some of these challenges and needs uh, 
competing for TDT, but one way is we ensure that Visit Lauderdale has sufficient resources to market and advertise our destination. Uh, so this chart shows actual spending dating back to fiscal year 13. You can see that it reached a pre-pandemic peak in fiscal year 2018. Um, then you can see those cost-saving measures that were implemented during the pandemic. But in FY23 and FY24, you can see that the funding level exceeds the pre-pandemic you know, highest amount of spending on that purpose. So we mentioned the debt service, so, but it's important to note what that debt service is paying for. Uh, so you guys know that we have the West expansion, which is about $329 million project. Uh, that portion of the project was substantially completed in October 2021. And then we have the East expansion, which is uh, estimated at just about $369 million. That project is well underway with an estimated substantial completion date of August 2025. But once again, there is that annual debt service of $29.1 million until 2051. So now we're going to show you, uh, this is a rendering of what the completed convention center and hotel project might look like when it's complete. This is a picture from the construction site back in July. Uh, we were just over there for the TDC, TDC meeting, and it's, you know, it's grown a lot. And they've added a lot more floors to the hotel, especially, uh, which is in this picture here since, uh, since this picture was taken. Uh, so on the note of the hotel, it is important to note that the headquarters hotel in no way is funded with TDT revenues. Um, but it, it, we do bring it up in this presentation because it's obviously on the same site and, uh, you know, it's there. So uh, the Headquarters Hotel project, it began construction in February of 2022 with a price tag of approximately $730.3 million. The estimated substantial completion date for that project is in July of 2025. This slide provides you with the substantial completion dates for the various project phases. You can see that both the final phases, uh, the final GMPs for the East expansion, including the plaza and the CVB building, as well as the hotel, are estimated to reach substantial completion in summer of 2025. And then finally, we just want to provide you with an overview of the historical cost of beach renourishment projects. You can see that the most recent version of segment two cost us about $74 million to keep sand on those beaches, uh, that segment. And then for segment three, which is completely managed and funded by the Army Corps of Engineers, that's going to cost approximately $62.3 million, and the estimated completion date is in 2024. So with that, I'm going to return it back to Monica. Thank you. Thank you, um, Mr. Anderson. So, Mr. Mayor, um, Vice Mayor, yes, Commissioners, at this time, if you have any questions, we're happy to entertain those. Correct. So I'm just looking, starting here, does anybody have any questions? Commissioner Rogers, Commissioner Rogers, do you have any questions? Commissioner McKenzie? I don't have any questions, but I do want to, um, something stood out, um, uh, um, Stacy, when you were talking earlier about um, the increase and it's mostly the, the cultural piece of it. Now, oftentimes when we look at these dollars, the hotel industry typically thinks that they own those dollars, but people aren't coming here just to stay in hotels. You spend very little time in hotels. You're here for the destination, the experience. So what I would like to see, um, especially in the cultural division, is some type of expansion, more westward and north and south. We typically entertain everything on the east side. And there are major uh, cultural events from the north end to the south end, and sometimes and more often west uh, of the tracks. So um, and I've been kind of tailoring or, or mirroring 
uh, Mr. Dunlap and some of the things he's been doing. And uh, I just I just think he needs a little more. I'm not just targeting him. I'm saying the cultural division itself to try to attract more people. We just had a summer jams event in the city of Fort Lauderdale. And it attracts 10,000 people, a Cis Trunk Historical Festival. And I can go on and on and on. Even with the, uh, um, the event they have in Miami Gardens, we once participated uh, a little bit and I understand we don't do it anymore, uh, jazz in the gardens. But so many people come here, not just to go to Miami, but they come here for the experience of South Florida. So if we can expand that and um, see what these other events, uh, what can we add to, uh, look at different demographics uh, to keep moving forward and keep this momentum uh, that you have, especially with this 800 a one uh, bedroom hotel that's coming. So I'm, I'm excited and I want to just go out and just tell everybody in the whole world that this is the place that you need to come and, and um, for a destination, not just for the hotel stay. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Furr? Actually, I would echo some of the same sentiments. I do, I, I'm glad to see that we got a little bit in there for cultural support. Uh, I thought the cultural division did a great job last year. And some of the things like Ignite and those kind of things, are, and I think that's probably where this is, is going, um, are, getting, are gaining momentum and are worth uh, tagging on to um, and expanding um, wherever we can. I mean, I, I see expanding south as well as west. <laughs> I just thought south. I know, I know. I'm thinking that. south. I'm thinking south. You sit right next to me. I, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but I think those are the things that people, that's why they come here for, yeah. Um, and to and you know now that we are back up to pre-cruise level or pre-pandemic level, all our crews, those people that are, that are here a day you know early a day late, afterwards they want something to do. They want to go see things, um, and I think this is a perfect place to do that. Um, I saw quite a quite a big line item on on the maintenance and on the stuff. Is that allowed? Is is the penny tax allowed for ma on maintenance or no capital at all? Did I phrase that right? There's a lot. And, and Jennifer and Elijah, if you guys want to go to that slide. There, yeah, there's quite a bit on, I guess, where you're talking about the carpets and all that kind of stuff and the uh, maintenance and stuff. For the convention center. For the convention center. Is yes. that is a penny tax allowed to, to, to pay for, for that? For convention yes. center, yes. Okay, just can't Not do, the hotel. Not the hotel. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then lastly, I, I, I know that there's a... Uh, I know we raised the number of the amount for the dune restoration. Yes. Um, I don't think you can make that high enough. To be I, know, I know. Because that number, of, I mean, that is a pittance compared to how much the beach, beach restoration is. And that's the way you try to hold on to that stuff. <laughs> so you we're spending $50,000 to try to hold on to $62 million worth of sand. So, you know, wherever we can add to that is, is pen, uh, money well spent. And, right, and so. just as a clarification, sand dune, um, sand dune um, continual funding is also included in the project budget as well. So this is not the only money that goes to sand dune restoration. Okay, good. good so for each of the segments, they're embedded in there as well. Yeah, and I know, but I do know some cities are having a hard time with the contractor on on the beach restoration of coming to terms. I think you probably know about this, and so they're having to do it. On the on the back end, which is I'm not crazy about, but so it's caught so that dune restoration money may have to go into play out on the back end of it. So if it's needed, we want to make sure we provide it. That's all I got. Thank you, Commissioner Thanks. Senator Geller. Oh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, first, I agree with uh, 
Commissioner McKenzie. Uh, I, I think Phil Dunlap, who's in the audience, has really done an excellent job in spreading what used to be just East Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, with the, for example, as Commissioner Fur mentioned, the Ignite um, uh, program, we are diversifying. Uh, I've insisted, demanded that the Young at Art and the county has agreed to that. Um, be staying as a cultural facility in West Broward. So we are, I think, doing a lot more, but we're not done yet. We do need to spread it to the county dollars so they're not just East Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I have two questions for Ms. Ritter. Um, first, on page nine of the presentation, there's one thing I didn't fully understand, the EDT revenue, where it says 125.3, then red, 126.5 but it also shows a, a steep yeah that one what is that 100 million dollar number mr anderson yes so that 100 million dollar amount that was the fy23 budget um w that we set in fy23 so okay. we're setting so, the forecast around like may june so at that time we didn't know how long that record i, I understand yeah. okay and second question uh for mr Ritter. i chair the um Community and Urban Affairs of uh, Committee of FAC. There is a proposal from one of the counties to expand the use of TDT dollars for affordable housing. Uh, I've indicated that I think that I would be opposing that because that's money that largely comes from hotels. And if we continue to expand that, the uses, I expect a backlash from the hotel community to start opposing it completely. The countervailing argument is, yes, but people working in hotels can't afford, so we need to have more affordable housing in general. It's not targeted. I told them I would ask my TDT director, which is what I'm now, or whatever, uh, president, CEO of the CVB. So I'm asking, uh, do you have the same opinion I did, or do you, do you have an opinion as to the expansion for purposes can, of affordable housing? I, I can tell you what, what the industry does, because uh, it's really a policy decision. And But the industry in general opposes any expansion of tourist development taxes. That's what Destinations Florida, which is the association that, um, that um, our association for CVBs, that's what their charge is, is, has been to just oppose general expansion of the TDT. Specifically, it's a, it's a policy discussion. That's generally what I, my opinion. Ms. Sapero, do you have an opinion? Yes, and, and so I would love to understand which other counties we could talk later about that, because I had not heard that, and I, quite frankly, I didn't, I think that would be more of a legal question, because um, to me, I didn't think that that would be an allowable expansion. No, no, it's a, the proposal is to change the law to oh, make it an allowable expansion, <clears throat> and I, I just said, Policy-wise, I thought yeah. that would result in the hoteliers start. The yeah. more it expands, the more they say, no, it's gone too far. I, I got it. You said Florida Association. Of Florida County. Association got it. I didn't of Counties, FAC. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, um, let's talk more on this. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Commissioner Dean, any questions? No comments. Well done, Stacey. Thank you. Vice Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Stacey. I have a, a couple of questions. I, I, I say amen, Commissioner McKenzie. You know, it's nice to hear someone from Fort Lauderdale or from the East speaking about that it should be 
a countywide, and I have been saying that for a long time. Uh, and I just I don't know that this reflects, you know, that this reflects that. I, you, you and I have had this conversation. There are there are attractions, there are things all across the county, and and when I look at cultural support, I guess I, I want to ask cultural support. Um, does, does that or does it not include, for instance, saying artwork in a facility like our convention center, new convention center? Is that under there or is that under another air, you know, would that be another funding? So, so that would be in the public art budget uh, for the convention center and there were some um, dollars associated with that within the project as well. Is that what you were? Um, about a million dollars worth of um, 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 allocation for public art within the convention center project and was that I, I I don't know how that figure was arrived at was that arrived at with speaking with uh, with Bill Dunlap and well, others we about what what the needs are there we worked with um, the culture with Phil and the cultural division um, we worked um, with Stacy and her team um, early on in the project development um, that was those were some things that were under consideration and, and discussed um, and, and, you know, we shared it also, you know, with the commission and briefings and things of that nature during, at the, a long time, it was a while ago, though, um, early on in the project development and the budgeting for that. Okay. I, I, I do support the increase and maybe even more of an increase in the cultural support because I do believe that it's, you know, pretty much, you know, focused on uh, the east side of the county and there are plenty of other opportunities, I think, available uh, if we broadened it out. Um, I did want to ask Stacy if she could just give us an update. Um, we, I know we see the decrease in occupancy, and I understand why. But how how um, how are we looking now at as far as the conventions and the bookings for conventions? And uh, are we still seeing a trend of you know some cancellations or not booking in the first place? Ms. Ritter. Thank you. Um, cancellations is is is. We're struggling to find the right term because they're actually conventions that have not that, that did not book, that chose that went through the, the, the two-year negotiation and then chose not to book for reasons. But um, as of today, we're up to 14 from the middle of May, um, an economic impact in excess of 85 million dollars. Okay, I just think we need to keep that out there to let people know and what the impact of this is having. Every on our community. destination is experiencing this. Yeah, yeah. In Florida. Okay, and I, I just want to uh, also weigh in on the on the issue of affordable housing. Uh, you know, we are looking at here uh, expansion of a hotel convention center, ex expansion of the convention center, a new hotel of what 800 rooms, right? Okay, and we have more and more workers. We have more and more workers that are working in hotels that need affordable housing. And you know what? For me, everybody has to be a part of this. Uh, the business community has begun to really step up to the plate because they see it as economic development for their businesses. And I think that the restaurateurs and people at hotels should really do the same. So I would like us to consider uh, being able to use some money for affordable housing or pitch in to be a part of it with everybody else in the community who's trying to, including us who has expanded our budget significantly this year. Uh, we should not be, you know, the only ones. Everybody else should be a part of it, too. That's it. Thank you. Ms. Shapiro? Um, yes, and, and thank you, Vice Mayor, for your comments on that. I think what um, might be an appropriate course of action as it relates to that will be when at the time that um, the board 
adopts your policy positions and your state legislative package, we could have that conversation so that we will know clearly what the board's position will be on that and it can be included in our in our um, our state package. Thank you. Very good. You done, Vice? Okay. Commissioner Bogan? Can you hear me? Thank you, Mayor. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I'm not sure. I can't. I can't hear any feedback. So I don't know if you can hear me. If I'm on. Yes, sir. You are on. If you can hear me. Okay. There. There. I just heard you. I had two quick questions. Um, one was based on the politics of Tallahassee and the messages out of Tallahassee, where, to my understanding, we've lost several conventions already, and thousands of hotel rooms have been unbooked, if that's the correct term, or canceled. Um, will that be affecting our budget in any way? And uh, the second question had to do with, um, are we thinking of doing as a commission or as a county more messaging to the uh, outside community that, you know, our uh, policies are not reflective of Tallahassee's uh, policies? Well, I think, Commissioner, uh, I'm not going to speak out of turn with Ms. Ritter, but Ms. Ritter has done an incredible job to send that message all over this country and all over this world that we are everyone under the sun. So I'll let her answer that, but um, she can expand on it. But that's been her goal and her messaging uh, throughout her campaign. Thank you. Uh, as it relates to the budget, um, the conferences that are not coming are in years 24 and out. So we're not going to see any um, immediate effect as a result. Of them not coming these are these are out years um 25 26 if 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 it makes any dent at all it'll be in the future which is why you're not seeing a dip in um that large a dip in visitation here because these conferences book years in advance and any effect from that will be felt years in advance it's just too difficult it's just too soon to know whether this is a continuing trend or it's just you know, a, a blip on the radar for right now, but we're keeping a close eye on it, as you might imagine. And I, I do want to also, um, I, I would love to send you all the, the spreadsheet of the events that we do around the county. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised how much money we spend west of I-95 um, on specifically sports events, because there's aquatic centers, there's the Anson Track in Miramar. Um, we spend, a, and we also support Phil's Ignite, which, Everybody loves, so there's that too. Um, so I just would love to send it to you, and I think that again you'd be really pleasantly surprised at how much money we spent um, off the beaches. Thank you, Mr. Bogan. Does that answer your questions? Thank you. That's it. Yeah. Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and I would like to take us back to the comment that was made about. Um, it's good that the convention center will no longer have to pay rent, all right? I would like to know how you factor not paying rent into what debt service that you might have. I think, I think Mr. Anderson was talking about the CVB building. Yes. Right now we're in a private sector building. We mm -hmm. pay rent. Mm -hmm. Once we move into our own building on the convention center, it's owned by the county. We won't be paying rent any longer okay. for office space. This is not debt service on the convention center or the expansion. This is strictly rent payments to, uh, for, our, for the office. Okay. So, yes, I understand you're moving into a government building, 
but we don't factor the cost to the county for moving in. I just thought that would be factored in because it has, you have to pay rent for something, but I understand now that we don't pay rent to ourselves. To ourselves. It's right. factored in as other, tell me how you factor it. So, so, so Commissioner, that is just part of the analysis for um, when we, we look at the entire uh, entirety of the project. Mm -hmm. And so the debt service for the entire building would be captured, uh, the rent, if you will, would be captured in that amount. So it would just be, um, it would be less than paying someone from the private sector for using, using yeah. space that's not ours. Just like we have our offices in this right building, here. we own this building, so. I didn't figure out yet how you capture that cost. You do maintenance, you do everything sure. else. You, there's a cost for just being in your own building. Yeah, that it's, needs it's, to be factored. It's captured within the debt service. Debt service, okay. All right, so it's not really free. It has to be captured somehow. As we move on to the T, to making sure that our businesses do recognize that they have employees that needs housing, I am fully in support. If Monica needs to test where we are, I can put that on that I'm 100% in support of businesses helping to solve the problem of housing, affordable housing for their employees. So I'm there with that. And um, Public Hearts and doing activities west, I'm truly glad that my colleague recognized. We do talk outside of here about what is not happening on the west side. And I know, Stacy, you have decided to share the list of things that we might not be aware of that's happening on the west side. But we know the things and the facilities that we would like to be promoted and have activities in those places like the African American Research Library. We would see how many activities we have there, how we promote that facility so visitors know that that's a place to stop. That is a destination for us. So I don't know the details as to how that is addressed. And um, so that is one of the things that I tell my appointees to the boards, you're not there just to ratify. You're there to make sure some of the dollars being spent um, that the district that you represent is getting some of those benefits. And I have those conversations with those that I appoint to these boards. Look out for District 9. So if you hear me talk about it, it's because we don't see certain things happening on the west side and north side or whatever we call it. So thank you for sharing that list. Ms. Ritter, That's hopefully it, you get that Mayor. list out to everybody that <laughs> shows all that, but go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, the new library director at Arlick is really amazing. She's fantastic, and she reached out to us. We did a, a tour of, of uh, Black North Broward. The whole staff did several months ago where we met her, and we went. We stopped at Arlick. That was our last stop. And um, we actually recently just helped sponsor the 50th anniversary of Hip Hop Celebration at Arlick, and it was, um, it was our pleasure, and, and we were proud to do so. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Commissioner Rogers. Thank you were you, there. Mr. Mayor. Commissioner of McKenzie and I were there. Okay, I think that's it. Other than uh, obviously, I had the opportunity to see this at the TDC meeting, so I was able to get my questions answered. But Ms. Ritter, thank you. Mr. Anderson, thank you. Uh, as we move on to section number two. All righty.
Section number two is recommended transportation capital Thank you, program. Stacey and Elijah. We'll get our staffing uh, replaced here. And names, names, name, place, change. Give us about a, a minute or two here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eugene? Eugene. All right, Mr. Mayor. Okay. So, Musical chairs have happened. Yes, thank you. Thanks for your indulgence. Uh, the next uh, presentation, we're going to have um, uh, Elise uh, Cooper will be leading us from the budget office, and we're going to be going through transportation capital program. And just to reiterate, this excludes the transit project. So when you see transportation capital, it's exclusive of. That will be a separate conversation. Ms. Cooper, welcome. All right, thank you. Good morning, Mayor and Commissioners. Uh, my name is Elise Cooper. I am a Budget and Management Coordinator for the Office of Management and Budget. And as um, Ms. Sapero uh, said, I will be going over the FY24 through FY28 Transportation Capital Program. So Transportation Capital is primarily supported through gas tax revenue, uh, which are based on the number of gallons of gasoline sold within the county. Um, so F for FY23, we're anticipating to receive just slightly more than we did in FY22, with FY24 remaining flat from that FY23 amount. Um, we're expecting this revenue to kind of plateau. Um, gas taxes are made up of 14 cents, um, which generate 82 million um, in FY24. Uh, two of these cents are constitutional gas taxes, which will generate 16 million, and then the remaining 12 cents will generate about 67 million. This is just an overview of the revenues that we expect to receive over the next five years. Um, as you can see, 449 million is what we are anticipating to receive over the five years, with the majority of those being from gas tax, which I had spoken about on the previous slide. And then over those five years, what we anticipate that $449 million to be allocated to um, are several different projects. I'll just highlight a few of them. Uh, we are expecting, we're allocating money to five major bridge projects, um, as well as highway bridge maintenance and traffic engineering uh, programs, um, things like sidewalks, uh, road resurfacing, and uh, street lights. Um, and as you can see, a majority of what we are spending this money on is a um, a transfer to transit operations. And then this last slide just goes over a uh, summary of our major projects that are currently underway. Um, so Wiles Road University to Rivers Riverside, construction is 80% complete for that project. Um, then the design for the first segment of the Flamingo Greenway is complete. We're expecting construction to begin in FY24 to align with the state grant. And then lastly, the Convention Center Bypass Road design is complete for that project, and we are preparing for construction advertisement. Um, just to note, this project is now split funded between gas tax and surtax. Um, in FY24, we've allocated 17.5 million of an additional funding in surtax. And that concludes my presentation. I'll hand it back over uh, to the county administrator for any questions. Okay, Thank quick. you, Ms. Cooper. Yeah, it's a quick one. Um, and, and again, you know, this is the gas tax portion the, for non-transit um,
project. So if you have any questions, we can take those. Well, since I can't see Commissioner Bogan, Commissioner Bogan, do you have any questions on this item? Can't see him and can't hear him. That's pretty. Hmm. Commissioner Bogan, do you have any questions on this item? Okay, hearing none. Vice Mayor, do you have any questions? Okay, anybody else have any questions? Raise your hand. Senator Geller. Just one, just one quick one. We're making uh, predictions out through 2028 based on the gas tax. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, as electric vehicles get adopted more, assuming that they do catch on more than they have thus far, I think it's 3% right now, uh, the gas tax is a diminishing source of revenue. Have you factored that in in your projections of 24 through 28? Mr. Shapiro? Yes, sir. Uh, in fact, that's what we're seeing now as, as you start to see a plateau. You know, early on, we used to look back at this chart, specifically look at 05, um, and, and it's more revenue than we currently have for the FY24 budget. And, you know, under normal circumstances, revenue streams would grow as population does in usage. But obviously, as we're seeing um, a diminishing increase, that's exactly what's happening. Yep. Commissioner McKenzie? A comment or maybe a concern. When we started this, um, the bypass road conversation, yep. uh, I was at the city and we were working on it. I think uh, Romney Rogers was a big voice in it. But as I, time passes, as we move forward, um, and I'm looking at the port, and I'm looking at this design, um, are there any um, um, concerns? about how this is going to impact impact us uh, at the port. I've always heard the, the city side and what the residents said about easing traffic and all the congestions, but I travel to the city all the time, and I've made the same comments over there on the record. There's times of, of, of day and night that you can ride through the city, there's, there's no traffic. Um, and then there's times when there's traffic, when people are going to and from. So when we do this, um, maybe Jonathan Daniels would be a better uh, person to really drill down and see you know is this gonna um impact us uh on the other side uh, you know it's interesting commissioner you bring that up and i'm i don't know if you have you been able to see the, the actually the video i've seen it i mean okay i want to make sure you receive that yeah. because that kind of gives you a kind of a more of an yeah. see and feel it but you're right i was it's, excited but when, when as, as i keep looking and look at my as my responsibilities change i'm not saying to to do anything to 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 impede it what i'm saying is that um uh, so we, we got here, you know, based on um, uh, a perspective of folks in a in an area trying to get to and from their homes. That's how we got here. Um, and then we had uh, the 911 situation that caused us to redirect traffic uh, at the port, and we we stopped a lot of traffic from going through the port and kind of you know added to that. So in the, in the future, uh, would the, any of those patterns change in terms of, of opening or, 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 or closing? And, and, and how is this all going to interact or, or look at the end of the day? So I'm not trying to tear it apart. I just want to make sure that you know, we, we've taken all these different um, perspectives into, uh, into consideration. Um, Mr. Yeah, and thank you for the question, Commissioner. That's an excellent one because um, we've been working um, Yes, with Jonathan, but also with the city um, and um, our director of uh, 
Highway Construction Engineering, Richard Tornese. Mm -hmm. um, he's, I believe, here. Yep, and I've got hey, all my public yes. works team here. Um, and he, and, and Richard, if you wouldn't mind coming up, I think he might be able to address more specifically some of these concerns, but we've been um, engaged and on top of those projections and traffic flows and taken into consideration all of that, but I think he might be able to give some, and Tony, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, the bypass road actually received a grant from the state to alleviate traffic from US 1 and 17th Street. So, and it, it's a significant number of cars and, and vehicles that would be uh, more or less diverted from those two ro major roads, which are over capacity. As you travel in that area with the airport and 17th Street, it's, it's over capacity, and, and both roads need this relief. And also, too, the state is doing adaptive signal control along US 1 and 17th Street too, in, in, beside the bypass road. Also too, we have, we have an intersection project expansion on mm -hmm. US 1 and 84 that is under construction currently, so we just started. And we also are expanding 17th Street and Eisenhower. So there's multiple projects right. in the area to kind of do what you're saying there is relieve traffic in that area. Because when we were doing it, um, it was interesting, especially when we took on the Pier 66, uh, the new project there. Right. Um, we took a, a, a perspective from the water, and we started watching the patterns of traffic from the water. We found that boaters, when they take off for the day, they are in no hurry to get anywhere. And folks were going through the bridge, 17th Street uh, Causeway, um, and then turning around, coming back, taking pictures. But when that bridge goes up, traffic backs up. And I think that bridge, uh, did you factor that bridge in as well into what we're doing? Because uh, I never really paid that much attention until I saw that bridge go up and down, up and down. And when we, especially the folks from the West, uh, when we're coming to and from, um, it's either a bridge or a train that really constitutes traffic congestion. Other than that, the traffic flows pretty decently uh, here uh, during our rush hours. I've seen worse. Um, I don't want worse. <laughs> I want better. But I think these bridges, railroads, um, are big detractors in terms of how, how you back up traffic. And the other day, and that's why we should move. That is not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to. That wasn't for him. Thank you, Commissioner McKenzie, for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is. And I, I was coming to our last workshop, and the, 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 the guardrails at Broward, I mean, I don't know what they were doing, but. For 20 minutes, I mean, they kept going up and down, up and down. You know, some people started sneaking through there. I didn't sneak through there, but um, for the record. Um, <laughs> but these are some of the things, I, and I know you're looking at them. I mean, Richard, we've worked together. I've helped you oh, out yeah. at some oh, huge community meetings oh, when yeah. they were on you. I got them off you. Um, but I'm going to always fight for what's right. I'm going to always fight for staff in terms of uh, what we need to do to keep making Broward County better. So I just wanted us to look at that, and you just keep me abreast of how that looks. Uh, I know because people say things are, are great when we were sitting here designing something, but when, it, when it's built, sometimes it's not as good as, as you intended it to be. Okay. We'll keep you informed. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, so uh, Richard and Tony.
I don't think there's any other questions from the commissioners, so we're going to move on to Section 3, which is Recommended Surtax Program. Severo. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And if you can give us another minute here, we'll switch uh, musical, musical chairs, chairs again. Mr. Zanker. Morning. So great with all these I thought we were going to not put, yet. Uh, not yet. I'm glad your mic's off. Thank I you. We were <laughs> I thought we were going to have to put Phil Dunlap on a pedestal or something earlier. Or raise is, him up. Is, is, his, is he still in the room? Is, is, his, his head, head cannot get back through the door now. Floated out of the room or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. You ready? ready? Okay. Surtax right. program. So thank you, Mr. Mayor, again. Um, <sighs> So the next uh, presentation um, is the surtax program um, and all of its complexities. So um, we've got Sunjan Zanker here also from budget and thank you for your remarks, uh, Commissioner Eugene also. And we do try to uh, make sure we give our, our uh, budget leadership the opportunity to be in front of you and, and show off their talent as well. We're very proud of them. So thank you, Sunjan, go right ahead. Thank you, Monica. Uh, good morning, Mayor, Commissioners. Uh, this next presentation will be the fiscal year 24 through 28 recommended surtax program. Uh, so just a brief overview. Um, as you know, the one cent sales tax is programmed for enhancing and expansion of the highway network, as well as uh, mobility options such as transit. Uh, high level based on current economic activity, we're projecting fiscal year 24 uh, to be relatively level compared to the 23 projection. You'll see that in a bit more detail on the next slide. Uh, quickly, I'll go over what the oversight board met on a couple weeks ago. Uh, so the oversight board reviewed and approved for eligibility the fiscal year 24 programmer projects you see here in these categories. Uh, of note, Mark Gale did a presentation on the uh, FLL Intermodal Center and Automated People Mover. Um, and I believe that was the first time the Oversight Board had seen that. Um, so um, they moved to approve fiscal year 24. As well as the five-year plan, uh, they reviewed and approved for eligibility. Um, so um, to say this aligned with the recommended budget. All right, so next we'd like to show you the five-year outlook on surtax uh, revenues. Um, as I hinted at, the fiscal year 24 surtax revenue projection is flat compared to what the state of Florida projects for fiscal year 23. Uh, then we apply a nominal inflator in the out years. Um, if you notice on the second line, interest earnings, due to the high interest rate environment we're in, uh, we are projecting some interest earnings in the five-year program. Uh, we've budgeted it conservatively, and it's fully programmed to fund surtax pro projects in the five years. Okay, so this is a high-level overview of the five-year program. Uh, $2.6 billion in surtax revenue is budgeted. This includes interest earnings, and this is budgeted at the 95% per state statutes. 
Uh, this leverages approximately $1.6 billion in local funding, uh, mostly federal and state cost sharing for PRIMO projects in the five-year plan. The one-time fund balance carried forward, that's mostly from reserves in the previous year. So, no. Uh, to the expense side, uh, transit capital, the $2.57 billion. This includes not only replacing uh, buses and infrastructure projects, but uh, the PRIMO program of projects is budgeted here, which includes two light rail uh, transit lines, two bus rapid transit lines, as well as uh, high frequency bus service. Um, and a lot of this is offset by that non-local funding. The Public Works five-year budget, um, this includes a lot of what they've already been doing, road capacity expansion, fiber optics, um, but as Elise um, stated earlier, this also includes the uh, port bypass road, 17 and a half million. Uh, municipal projects, total 261 million, which as you can see, is a little bit over 10% of the uh, total surtax revenue. Uh, we'll break that down a bit more in the next slide. Uh, the FLL Intermodal Center and Automated People Mover are budgeted. Um, the Broward Commuter Rail South budget, this represents the state and federal cost sharing. As you may recall, um, you approved an item appropriating the 72, sorry, 74.25 million from uh, local funding a few months ago. Um, so this now means that the entire project is budgeted and I believe that the application for that grant was going out this month uh, to the feds. Uh, the next two lines operating and transit operating, we'll break that down a bit more in the next uh, slide. Regional transportation, this is for regional initiatives and other major project components in the five years. Uh, the reason you need a magnifying glass to see that last line is uh, this represents what's left over in the five years. All revenue is fully programmed uh, for projects. Uh, so we like to show uh, recurring obligations uh, that Surtex funds. Uh, this includes MAP admin and other supportive services uh, on the first line. Second, transit. This, uh, starting in fiscal year 24, this re represents the full funding need from Surtex uh, because all of the uh, COVID era aid is uh, projected to be spent down this year. The reason there's a jump in fiscal year 26 is anticipated PRIMO services are starting to come online um, in 26 and continue on through 28. So this includes commuter rail, uh, one of the light rail transit lines, a uh, bus rapid transit line. Late night shift connect and micro transit continue to be funded. The last three lines, this makes up that 261 million that's allocated to the municipalities uh, for capital projects, as well as community shuttle operations and capital. And that concludes the presentation. Very good. And now we turn it back to the county administrator. Thank you, Sanjan. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mayor, at your, if there's any questions, we're happy to entertain this. Absolutely. So look around, Commissioner. A fur followed by Commissioner Dean. Thanks. Uh, exciting to see to say the least. Um, the one thing that I that I don't know where to find it is where and it's probably within the intermodal. Um, but I know we're trying to figure out how to do a commuter rail station at the airport. Um, and I don't know. I did. I wasn't here for the airport workshop. 
So I would have asked the same thing there. Is there, um, what is, what is the plan for a temporary station? Cause I know it's, this is a 10 years away probably, but in the, but the commuter rail will be going in just a couple of years. So how do you, how are we going to do a temporary airport station there? Um, I Cause I don't see a line item on that. Yeah, so so that is something that I, I I can't recall if Mark actually mentioned it during the workshop. I think okay. he did, but we'll what I can do is um, also have him just do a touch point with you, and That'd we can fun. have that conversation with Corey and with Mark in conjunction with um, the intermodal center itself. Um, I will tell you that um, the plan will be to have something of a temporary right. temporary nature because of the timing. If we cannot get them more aligned um, in timing, so. Um, I know at the airport we did get um, the approval to move forward with the environmental work, um, okay. and so that has started immediately. Right. And so we're trying to do as much as we can to fast track to see how we can. Right. That was more good news yesterday, align. Corey, yes. from uh, alignment with uh, yeah. Miami Dade. So Corey, you just got a shout out from yeah. the commission. Yeah, we'll shout so. out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> so we'll, we'll definitely get back with some more detail, but um, and okay. as that progresses, we'll be um, sharing um, uh, further updates with the commission. As okay, well. I, and, and my concern is that it's not in any line item, so I don't know how to how to address that because that would be captured in the IMC in the intermodal project. Okay, um, and okay. so um, that's that's kind of what I was asking. Just yeah. where it, where I would find There's a portion that. of it that is surtax funded. Okay, um, that we're proposing for surtax funding, and I. The two, it's a total of, of um, 400 million between IMC and APM, the Automated People Mover and the Intermodal okay. Center. I just, off the top of my head, the number's not, I, oh, you have it here? Yes, so the yeah, surtax portion, the 380 million, um, those projects have other possible funding sources uh, that aviation is working with the state on and as well as their own revenues. Right. Um, and there's also, uh, you know, a parking garage, there's a business side to it that may fund part of the project too. Okay. Um, so that there's a larger number okay. than, than just this. And okay. I just, what I was trying to remember, Sanjin, and maybe you guys will have that while we're talking, is the split between intermodal center and automated people mover. I couldn't remember how much was of surtax for each of those projects. I know the combined is about um, it was 380. Okay. Um, but we'll get that to you in a second. And I know that it's going to require some shuttling shuttles um probably so i don't know if that's included within the shuttle um budgets whatever um also the with regard to the shuttles that are being done i know that they're going from uh, gas to propane is there are there any um plans to be going to full ev are there any i know before there weren't many options there um on uh, that are being manufactured I don't know if that has changed or not. Um, and and I don't know, Corey, do you have, would you like to join us here at the table? Thank you. Corey Kauflaner again um, will be joining. There we go. Or you might be able to speak to that a little bit better on the shuttle side. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so the, um, the Commissioner Furrier, you're absolutely right about the movement to propane mm -hmm. for our community shuttle vehicles. Um, that's actually what um, we're doing now. Okay. Um, it is something that we're exploring from the EVB, the EV side, but we haven't moved forward with it yet. Okay. Are there, are there options there or not? Not that I'm aware of at okay. this point. Um, that, okay. Then that, that's kind of what I'd heard, but 
I assume they're going to be coming at some point. Yeah, that's what we're and, hopeful for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and as every, you know, as we start to kind of retool um, the shuttles in different municipalities, I think it's, you know, incumbent upon us to do that. Okay. And Commissioner, I've got the split. Um, it was $167 million for the Intermodal Center and $213,750,000 for the Automated People Mover of surtax-related funding. Um, we've got here the split for um, some different um, sources, and I think we've got uh, intermodal. We've got airport um, to support about 50% of that project, federal 10%, state 20%, and then that local 20% is the amount that I just shared with you. The initial budget right now that we've got for that is $835 million for that okay. intermodal um, project. Okay. And again, I can get some more specifics since you um, were not able. Yeah, because to get this, there. this becomes kind of like a sidebar to it, mm -hmm. because it's not going to be the intermodal center. It's not, it's, this is going to be a temporary fix. Um, so what I'm looking to f see is what those plans and designs are going to look like um, sooner. You know, because it's you know I think you're seeing uh, every station from Miami from Miami all the way up beginning to design their stations, and I don't want us to be caught you know, off guard and not have it ready to go when they finally come on board. And, and we are absolutely engaged. And I know, I mean, I've had um, several conversations with uh, Ms. Cufflon again on this very issue. And in fact, um, as recently as I think two weeks ago, we made we were making adjustments to some of those um, uh, amenities that are going to be needed at the at the platform level and, and, and those stations. So we are engaged in those conversations okay. and we'll continue to be Thank close you. to it. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Dean. Um, I just bring this up because this was a good slide where it kind of jumped out on me on the slide with the surtax revenues divided by year. Um, yeah, that one right there. So even not necessarily just within the surtax budget, but throughout every county budget, and I guess George Tablack would probably be way more of an expert at this than I am, but. The interest earnings that we're making on money that we have in reserves is starting to become a real number and a number that we can actually do things with. I think if we saw this slide from last year, that number was probably de minimis of what we would have in there. But this year, interest on money that we're keeping in our reserves and in balances can be used to fund a lot of the different programs that the county works on and works through. So I know that 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 George and his budget team and his finance team can crunch the numbers, but from a policy point of view, if there is things that anything that we're taking out of reserves to fund something earlier or to lay out, we lay out for enterprise zones and we lay out for cities a lot of dollars in advance on a lot of the contractual services. There's a transfer there of real dollars that can be used. I don't know what the answer is. I haven't seen it, and I guess we would talk about any kind of policy, but just something that we should have in our finance team's mind as we move forward. Can I? Can I? Thank you. Yes. Go on that first. Sure. Uh, legally, do we? Can the interest money be used? Does it have to be used in surtax, or or is it? Is interest money itself allowed to be used for other things? I'm a. I don't, my, my, and someone, a lawyer will answer that, but just from my comment, I don't, I'm just saying it in the surtax conversation because I see this so black and white here, and that's a great question that someone will answer, but my comments really are for the rest of the organization as well. 
I'm going to let and Monica you. start and then maybe with legal. Yeah, thank you. And so first I want to address the general interest, and um, and that is exactly what we do, uh, Commissioner, and, and we bring forward uh, those proposals, and so you are spot on on that. And to your question, um, the follow-up on the surtax also, um, my understanding, and I'll ask Drew and Anika to chime in, but my understanding is that the interest related to surtax would have to be used within surtax, and that is how we have programmed and that we, um, what, what you're seeing here has exactly gone right back into the program to offset um, some of those things that we're seeing as increases and, and everywhere else. So that's exactly what we're using them for, uh, for surtax-related initiatives. Drew, is that? Drew, did you want to chime in? Yeah, that, that's our understanding as well. We'll take a look to see if there are any developments, but normally as a principle of law, we agree with that. That's correct. Okay. Believe me, we do that every day. <laughs> okay, we went on the vice mayor followed by Senator Geller. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, my, my colleague down there, uh, Commissioner Furr, beat me to this a little bit, but I, I do have to just recognize Corey Cuff-Lonergan. Last night when I read your email uh, that you sent out, uh, which uh, t talks about the um, application that you put in with FTA. You know, it made me feel like something is finally happening with the commuter rail project, <laughs> and it takes leadership. And I know it, you gave credit in your in your uh, email to your staff, which is rightfully so. But it takes a leader, and uh, I just wanted to congratulate you and uh, for doing such an excellent job and moving us a step closer to having. Uh, Meter rail with Miami Dade. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Very good. Senator Geller. Hi. I uh, just wanted to quickly say again, in reference to the 2.573.2 billion uh, on various uh, transit capital on Primo. Um, as of now, I'm still opposed to putting rail on roads that will eliminate lanes of traffic unless you can show me that the rail will add substantially more capacity than we're losing on lanes of traffic. I just keep saying that. I don't want you to forget that I'm still saying that. I haven't voted no on anything yet. but. I want my position to be abundantly clear. I'm hearing your voice in my head all the time. I will never forget, Senator. I, I hear it when I sleep, Senator. <laughs> that might so be a little sorry. too much, Corey. <laughs> I think we're, ready, we're moving right along. Thank you. Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Commissioner. Okay. <laughs> I asked him to do that. All right. Yeah, Remind me to yes, press, press the button. So thank you. All right. I wanted, we were talking policy. I heard the word policy, and I'm concerned about the fact that, um, not concerned, I'm just wondering do we have a policy on, on propane? Because we're saying we're shifting from gas to propane and we don't know we are having discussions in one of my cities and they are concerned that propane tanks these huge whatever they are 
there's the safety issue around having propane tanks in residential communities. So I don't know if the Broward County does have a policy now that we are recognizing we're going from one type of gas to a different type of gas. Do we understand the magnitude, the impact it would have on residential communities? That was the question that was shared with me today for me to access this meeting. So when you're talking about uh, propane tanks, are you talking about just residential, like a propane tank at a home, or are you talking about on the street, like a vehicle? On, we're talking about where your transit hub is in one of our cities, and they're looking for to put that amenity on that property. And I'm wondering where, where do we stand? Are we looking at that whenever it's large number or don't know what it would look like. So but do we have a policy? So um, as far as a policy per se, I don't know that there is a standardized policy, but um, but I will I will share that anytime that we are looking at any infrastructure um, uh, improvements or expansions, and we are talking about either be gas or propane or whatever the, the, the means is, that we um, very much look at every safety standard and every um, every effort is made to to make sure that we're in compliance with all the federal, state, uh, and any other kind of local regulations. We work very closely, obviously, with our sister, uh, uh, Corey, and, and her sister agency over at uh, Resilient Environment Department to make sure that uh, we're in compliance with every regulatory um, provision. So we'll take another look at that as it relates to transit facilities, just to um, be uh, specifically responsive to your question and we'll get back some information to you. Okay, private sector, when they're doing it, we're also... Well, they would they have, have... to pull permits. Right, that, that would go that. through the permitting process. But I think we need to look into it because that's a shift and an increase in propane amenities across the county. Right, well, that would be covered under the regulatory um, side of it, and during the permits um, um, evaluation and review, that would be taken into consideration. We'll look on, on the county transit side as well. Okay. One last question is dealing with policy and promises made when we approve the gas tax, surtax. I think you're calling to a different name now, I was advised. You don't call it surtax. Well, we do. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> we just, it's a, for ease of discussion because that's kind of what everyone is, is thinking used to, accustomed okay. to. Okay. So um, as it relates to the promises made to taxpayers when we approved it, who monitors to make sure we're in full compliance on behalf of this body? So um, we have a whole host of folks that are um, uh, every day monitoring this. Um, you also have the um, Surtax Oversight Board that reviews this um, and, and, and um, at all levels and the front side on the back side and, and how the dollars are being um, used. Um, we're very transparent in, in how the funds are, are allocated and used. Um, and so um, you have a lot of different checks and balances that are in place uh, to monitor the use of that. Obviously, we work <laughs> very closely with um, our county attorney's office, um, and, and we look at, uh, and they're constantly looking at eligibility of the use of those dollars and, and making sure that that is being done in accordance with the law. So there's a lot of different checks and balances um, as it relates to that. Um, and, and we also work with the municipalities, um, particularly on the administrative side uh, with the leadership, uh, with the city managers, um, uh, the BCCMA, the Broward uh, 
County uh, City Managers Association, um, and, and with, they have a surtax uh, working group subcommittee, um, and I meet with them on a regular basis. Um, and our um, our MAP um, administrative uh, director uh, Gretchen Cassini also works um, tirelessly with that group and others um, and municipalities to make sure that we're um, as transparent as um, possible uh, to make sure that they have all the information and they're comfortable. Final question. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. It's okay. He's coming back anyway. Okay. 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 Forgot. Final question. Yes, ma'am. Is there any concerns from any city that you're aware of that you would share with this body? Any concerns about any project or the funding of the projects and their expectation? as a city have you heard anything that's a bit of a loaded question <laughs> so I know so <laughs> so um on a daily basis we'll have conversations with municipalities um about different projects i mean obviously um you know they are experiencing um escalations in different projects Prices. just like we are um and not just in the surtax world but all over the place um but um, so, you know, when you ask about concerns, I've heard of things, um, certainly, but it, it's more of a, an active dialogue that we have, and it's an open door, and, and we work with municipalities to try to find um, ways to address um, these, these challenges that we all have. Um, and that's what, when I alluded to the Surtax um, subcommittee um, of the BCCMA, that is um, a way that we've kind of established um, you know, for us to hear in a unified voice from the municipalities, because as you can imagine, what might be a challenge for Fort Lauderdale might not be the same challenge that Miramar or Lauderdale Lakes or, or another municipality might have. And a solution that one particular city is requesting might be in direct conflict with um, the solution that another municipality might request. So um, we can't have a, a, a one size fits all type of policy that will address everybody's concerns or the challenges they're seeing and unless it is through the the singular voice of that group because um, we ask them to come to us with their priorities and then once we have that um, as a body they have agreed collectively to um, to ask for certain changes or whatnot and that's in the process that that we've been utilizing and I think it works very well and and at the same time, we still work with those municipalities, those singular municipalities, on their, their challenges and concerns. Okay, so the interest can be used. Now that we know there's interest and there's some dollars there, and, we have, and cities might be having challenges as it relates to pricing and things have changed. They put it out to bid half a year ago or whatever, and the prices have changed, so I can see us using some of those funding y yes ma'am and we have cities and we have been doing that and so in fact through that um, process that I shared with you about the um, the surtax um, uh, subcommittee mm -hmm. um, so we have we have over the course of time been they've been asking about how could they get some increases um, some allocation and so we went through an extensive process of establishing a policy um, that that you know, was worked on mutually um, so that when there is cost escalations that is realized in a particular project, 
um, within certain parameters that are established um, in that, um, then we can work through and look through um, their, their um, estimates, their documented um, um, increases, and then there is a percentage that is um, available that I can make that determination to increase funding. So there is a process that is established, and that is exactly how, how that works. So, yeah. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just let me just, I think everybody, go ahead. Can I show you, Dean? follow up on that. So just so that you know, my comment was almost on the other side of that, because I think if you put paper to pencil, and I think if you looked at what we're funding in advance for the different municipalities, I'm not saying to change it, but the number now has become an incredibly large number. Yes, it When is. you look at what we, because when you pay your taxes in Broward County, you don't pay them until maybe December, whatever that blended average is of when all the money comes in. And we're carrying that for a few months and one third of a year on five, six, seven hundred million dollars times whatever the interest rate is, is a big number. I didn't do math, but Tablack can figure it out on his HP 13 calculator. <laughs> Very good. Just as I wind up, uh, Mr. Perry, I just want to again go back to page number three. Um, and item seven, and we've talked about this, but we need to come up with a pilot program or a plan for the uh, micro transit pilots. Uh, Lauderdale by the Sea and also Fort Lauderdale has sent letters again with their community bus programs. It just wasn't working for them because the ridership wasn't there, but the circuit component, the micro transit is highly successful and uh, they have the numbers to show it. I've, I've spoken to Corey about it. I just want to put that on the radar at the top of my list, make sure that we can somehow incorporate that and use those funds, maybe on the community bus shuttles, even even Hillsborough Beach would, would be happy to get the circuit. They don't have the ridership on the community bus program. So I just want to, we've talked about it, just want to put on the radar again, get the studies done where we need so we can accommodate these city, smaller cities that need this this beautiful program that the ridership is incredible but they're not going to use the community bus systems can, can, I, can I make a comment to that mm -hmm. I, I was a partner all that the city of Fort Lauderdale right yep and when we said uh, the other the shuttle buses they tried to take up and see if they were going to lost solos on the beach they sat empty the east side um, ego is not gonna get on a shuttle bus and when we went to a circuit it's like me calling a cab, and I don't have to pay for it. So if the east side is going to get it, why can't the west side still have those same opportunities? Because we, each and every time in public transportation, the district I represented and you, we ride public transportation. I don't care how you give it to us, we get on it. Tops, what, whatever you create, we ride. And circuit... It's being utilized because it's a beautiful little car, a little look like golf cart, and you can call it, and it picks you up. And they had a, made a comment the other day that um, when Commissioner uh, Pam Beasley-Pittman um, talked about her district getting more, more opportunities, they said the ridership wasn't there. Well, it was promoted better on the east side, and when that cool car comes to your house to pick you up, there's no cloud of public transportation or, 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 or assistance or subsidy. That's, that's how it's looked at um, when you send a shuttle bus east, and then now you're sending this Uber. Pick 
folks up. Uh, I don't want it not to be presented uh, in my district or any other districts. I think it's a great program, it's working. I don't know how uh, the nuts and bolts work on it, but it's very successful. I see people, I'm dining on Los Solos, I'm dining on the beach, I'm, uh, even on Sistrunk, that circuit is working yes and it's working well so how do we get it yes. for x to be accessed to everyone and maybe we we trade marbles or we trade something pull pull a shuttle well, I out said, take the community bus out but use those so, dollars for that so i just wanted to say that because uh, when they crowned the phrase over at city fort lot of them, my, my friends over there uh they try to make it seem like you know the folks on the on, on the west side um just wasn't using the circuit just haven't been promoted uh, right. uh that well but the commissioner now is is actively promoting through uh, commercials and things of that, that nature, but it's a great tool. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing. Okay. So, yes. Mr. Mayor and yes. uh, Commissioner McKenzie, um, thank you for those comments. Um, I, I, you know, you and I have had, you know, Mr. Mayor, um, a couple of conversations on that. Our team is actively looking at, at that as a possibility. I wanted to, I would be neglect if I did not share publicly um, two things. Number one, those programs that are in those municipalities are funded by the municipalities. They are not funded through the surtax or through the county. Um, and that is what you've asked us to look at. Um, and the second component is that from a transit um, department, transit um, uh, official body, there are some safety concerns because those um, golf carts and different things are not um, up to the standards of to with withhold um, impact of a vehicular accident and so we're looking with um, the county attorney's office on and of course our transit department to, to look at um, from an uh, ability to give out surtax dollars um, on if it is compliant with federal um, uh, regulations for use of uh, transportation dollars for that to be supplanting a community shuttle type of activity. So we're looking at all of that and we're, and we're currently engaged. And I know Mr. Myers, so I've looked, talked to him as well, as well. So I think that where there's a will, there's a way. And I know that the city would have to deal with ADA issues and things like that, but that would be their opportunity. But I think it's just gonna be a worthwhile program. And we will look through that. And we're they, currently- They kinda closed them now, they're not open. Like a little Volkswagen. Yeah, well, they're still, some, they still have to meet certain standards of the right. federal government and so forth. But uh, I, think, I think we can get there. But thank you so much. All righty. Well, that concludes item number three as we move along, and we're going to do musical chairs for item number four. Thank you. Does anybody need a break? Are we okay? Need a break?
Okay, we're going to take a 10 minute break if we can, real quick. Thank you.
Mr. Mayor, um, uh, and I'm hoping we can get through this one and, and, and only one slide on the last uh, section of the budget update that you see um, in front of you. And so, yeah, so we're going to get through this pretty quickly. Um, and, and we can drop the mic at that point. Perfect. Um, with that being said, I'm going to, uh, I've got uh, Elijah Anderson next to me again, and he's going to lead us through the general capital uh, program discussion. Go ahead, Elijah. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Mayor and Commissioners again. Today I'll be going over the County Administrator's recommended FY24 to 28 general capital program. As you all will recall, the general capital program includes funds for the maintenance and improvement of facilities as well as infrastructure and equipment uh, that is supported by general revenues, which is primarily property taxes. So these facilities include uh, our libraries, our parks, our correctional, public safety, judicial and general government facilities. So the underlying key premises that build the FY24, the 28 general capital program is that a primary focus of this program is the maintenance and replacement of our tax supported assets that are valued at over 2.9 billion. Uh, to do so, the proposed average appropriation over the five years for specifically facility maintenance and repairs is approximately 29.2 million. Uh, we recognize that efforts do need to be continually made to increase this level of funding. Another major hallmark of the FY24 program is that we do anticipate bonds to be issued for the Forensic Science Center in fiscal year 24. And then lastly, uh, we do have some major renovation and replacement projects in the out years. Those include the Government Center East Replacement Emergency Operations Center campus and South Regional Gordhouse campus. So the general capital program is made up of recurring and one-time revenues. As mentioned earlier, the primary recurring revenue is property taxes. Uh, so we have property taxes increasing from 70.6 to 89.2 million from fiscal year 24 to 28. Um, and that growth is based on the estimated growth of Broward County's taxable value. And that comes from the Florida Department of Economic and Demographic Research. Uh, so interest income is also a large recurring revenue source. We have that marginally decreasing from 9.6 million over the five-year program. And then lastly, although it's not a, a huge revenue, the sale of surplus equipment from our fleet auctions for equipment that's reached its end of useful county life uh, is returned back to the program to help us acquire new fleet uh, and equipment. So this chart here provides an overview of the previous millage rates and the taxes levied from those millage rates. As you can see back in fiscal year 2006, we had a millage rate for capital of 0.3104, and that generated approximately $41.1 million. Um, as a result of the Great Recession, this had to be cut. You can see it reached a, a low mark in fiscal year uh, 13 there, where, or fiscal year 11, excuse me, of 0 0.022, and we were only generating 8.1 million to support our, our capital uh, projects. So it takes until fiscal year 21 for us to get back to a level where we had a millage rate high enough to support, um, uh, to bring in taxes that were greater than, than pre-recession. Uh, as for FY24, our recommended millage rate is 0.2588, and we expect that to generate the $70.6 million. On the one-time revenue side, we do have future revenue sources to be determined for various large-scale projects. Uh, there's the future bonds issued for the Forensic Science Center. Fund balance of $18.7 is allocated in FY, uh, FY24 fully. And then we also have transfers from other funds, uh, which include transfers from the general fund uh, to support government facilities and potential future debt services. And then also a transfer from the Park Impact Fee Fund 
and the Opioid Regional Settlement Fund. Um, the Opioid Regional Settlement Fund money is going directly to support the BARC Central Expansion Project that we have programmed. So this chart here provides a high-level overview of the major county replacement facilities that we're thinking about and their financing needs. Uh, you can see there's the Government Center East Replacement, uh, the EOC and South Regional Courthouse Campus, as well as the Forensic Science Center, uh, and their various estimated total project cost. Um, then we also have three projects that do not require any uh, bond proceeds or other revenue sources, as we were fully able to support them with PAYGO and the FY24 program. Um, and following the completion or following the approval of the FY24 budget, those projects will be funded fully at their current estimates. And those include the Judicial Complex East Wing, the 500 car garage, and the Property Appraiser and Value Adjustment Board facility. So now we're going to go into more detail on what makes up uh, the program, the projects. So the most significant FY24 proposed appropriations include uh, general facility maintenance and improvements. Uh, the property appraiser and value adjustment board facilities uh, it's getting 4.5 million on the parks division side we are putting 3.3 million to improvements at the central broward regional park that includes uh, money to replace the scoreboard as well as design for the uh, grandstand bleachers um, on the judicial and public safety side even if you take out the forensic science center this is where a majority of the funding is going to you can see that in FY24 alone, there's 39 million to completely fully fund the East Wing renovation and 12.1 million for the 500 car garage. In addition to that, we have uh, a large investment in public safety projects. These include items like a brand new law records management system, uh, the relocation of the North PSAP, and the uh, Paul Ryan facility improvements at, at $10 million. So now this is the recommended public art, art allocations by capital program. You can see the most, uh, the largest amount comes from the general capital program. And of that 1.3 million, um, that mostly comes from the recommended public art contribution that's associated with the Forensic Science Center. So, uh, and then the other large amount in that number is the 272,000 that we're recommending as the public art for the East Wing renovation. So this summarizes the out years of the general capital program. Uh, so. The two projects that are in the, the budget as for planning purposes only is the EOC and PSAP campus project and the South Regional Courthouse campus. But you can see some other um, major facilities that we are planning for include the Government Center East replacement, uh, the expansion of Bark Central, a new parks and recreation headquarters, the Broward County Cultural Center, um, and uh, we're also putting some money aside for innovations and enhancements. On the judicial and public safety side, you can see we're making significant investments and in improvements to our judicial complexes and various other public safety uh, projects. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to the county administrator. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. So as promised, we are moving right along. Um, and, and after um, we take some questions, we'll just have one wrap up slide. So um, any questions, Mr. Mayor? Okay. Commissioner Udine, followed by Senator Geller. On, on the third slide, how do we get to our $2.9 billion in value and $29.2 million in uh, replacement? I'm assuming the 2.9 is just a, a a sum of all the assets that we own. Like, is this building part of that? Yes, it is. It, um, we pull that number from the annual financial comprehensive report. So yeah. when we talk about... Um, and, and I know that there are best practices by the ICMA or 
yeah, county, whatever, for the cities and the county, same thing. But they, you know, they tell you that you have to have certain numbers that you have in there. But, you know, dollars that we're spending on capital improvements to refurbish a building like this, in, in my mind, doesn't count. That shouldn't be in, in part of this because any dollar that we we're talking about here to spend on this building really shouldn't be factored into this type of number. Just my two cents. And there are a lot of buildings like that that we have in the county. When we know we have to get rid of a building, we shouldn't be factoring that as we do the, the you know, the proportion when we figure that out, whatever that word's called. Um, and I say that because it's going to be important to me later on because I firm, I'm not voting for the budget and the millage rate unless there's a decrease in the millage. And the millage decrease where I think it should come from is where that parks, where that open space bond that you're then moving into general capital outlay. So when I'm talking about decreasing the millage rate, there's no general fund projects that I'm even talking about touching. I'm just talking about within this capital budget because I think that there are dollars there that, that we can save you know, for the public. So um, with that said, um, a couple things I see there. I think that the interest income, we have it at 9.6 million. It's gonna be much higher than that. I think that's a very conservative interest income amount. So there's gonna be more dollars that would come in to this capital program anyway. Not that it matters because none of these capital program numbers are real or are budgeted. They're estimates. That we some of them are real, but not all of them are real. Um, and when I get to that, so I look at three hundred and eighty-two million dollars for the EOC campus, public safety, and South Regional Courthouse, and then it's broken down even further. Like I think it's page six, and then you break it down at, on the next one. South Regional Courthouse you have at a quarter of a billion dollars for that project. Why is that going to be so high? Let's make, let's, as a policymaker, let's make that a lower dollar amount. I've been into all our regional courthouses. I'm sure some of our attorneys have been in there. The West Regional Courthouse, I think there's four judges out there. Um, they do have a lot of other things out there. The North Regional Courthouse is, is in Deerfield Beach. These are not there's not anywhere near these dollar amounts. I get we need to do something in Hollywood, and I get that there's ancillary things that are going to be in those buildings, but it's not a quarter of a billion dollars. And if it is, we need to resharpen those numbers and start to move from what we want versus what we need. In my opinion, that number's got to come way down. And when that number comes way down, it frees up dollars that we can give back to the residents who have decided to make Broward County their home, became homeowners here, and are paying all the bills for everything else that we're doing. I think it's important. Palm Beach County lowered their millage rate the last two years in a row. Dade County's lowering their millage rate. Broward County has to do something here. <clears throat> and I think a millage reduction, and comes right out of this capital stuff, will be the more important than what we're doing with a lot of the affordable housing dollars that we're spending. I know I'll get pushback from that, and I'm okay with that, but I think that lowering the millage rate and making the affordability here better for our residents will go a lot longer. Next thing I see, um, this building that we're doing, this redo of this building, 
at some point we're going to need to figure out and when i see 50 million dollars in just for the design of the building and then you know this hundreds of millions of dollars number we have to kind of take a step back when we were talking about the joint center and it was going to be the showpiece of the world that we were going to have here most people that are sitting on this dais and i'm not speaking for them are not voting for a multiple hundred million dollar governmental center we can do it this is not really that that crazy we're in a conference room right now every one of these buildings down in broward boulevard have conference rooms there other than the commission chambers a government center is nothing more than office space i know some of the members of the commission toured the place to the north on cypress creek where fort lauderdale then decided to do that i looked at that these are places where we can, and, and I'm not saying that's even the place because probably not even available, but we need to come down on that number. This number needs to come down because the public's not going to allow us to spend hundreds of million do millions of dollars on a new government center. I don't care where we put it. I don't care where it is. The public is not going to do this. In Coral Springs, and again, it's not an apples to apples comparison, they spent $25 million like eight or nine years ago and every elected official almost got run out of town on a 25 million dollar vote i'm not voting for three four hundred billion dollars a uh, million dollars for a new governmental center figure we have to figure it out differently there's a lot of smart people that work in our real estate department there's teams that we have there there's a um, multiple buildings for sale within five minutes from this block that you can take and you have your office space for all your departments. I don't care if we have to use a, a, a commission room somewhere else. Join up with someone, go to the MPO and have our commission meetings while we build out a new commission center. Um, you know, the other things that are in here that are in here as budget holders, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna give the numbers as being accurate, but I'm just saying in general, the public, ha they, they, we need to figure out a way to make it more reasonable to live in Broward County. We can keep taking these dollars and throwing them in to these different projects and to these different programs, but I think the dollars are gonna be better served dealing with the services that these people are gonna need rather than building 500 units. That, yeah, you're helping 500 people, but this problem is much bigger than, than what we're trying to solve. It's way outside of our zone that we have so like i said those are just some of my comments and some of the rationale about why i'm not going to be voting for the millage rate if it is the way it is in the recommended budget i don't think anybody did anything wrong i think everybody did everything correctly heck i think that there could be arguments made on the other side and i'm sure there will be arguments made on the other side but my position is this time we can cut some money out of this capital budget and give it back to the residents those are my comments. Thank you, Commissioner. Dean. I don't know if you want to respond, Ms. Sapiro, or do you want to wait till the end? Or I think you can wait till the end because I'd like to hear some of your feedback on the capital budget and so forth like that as well. Senator Geller? Um, as us lawyers say, I concur in part and dissent in part <laughs> with, with my colleagues' remarks. Uh, yeah. Uh, I am glad to hear that Commissioner Udean is prepared to consider moving government center to plantation where <laughs> where it would be much less expensive to build than in, than in the valuable downtown Lauderdale. Um, I, I certainly agree with him on the cost of the government center. Commissioner Udine, you will recall, I think I may have been the first one 
to raise concerns on the billion-dollar joint government center on the cost of that. Um, and I, I'm not sure where you said, I, I think I disagree where you said that we shouldn't be spending, you know, hundreds of millions. It may be 100, it may be 200, you know, but I agree it should not be four or 500. There is a number that makes sense that is fiscally responsible, and uh, I do think that we need to bear in mind the needs of our taxpayers. Having said that, again, and perhaps this is experience on having been elected to the legislature in 88, I have seen a lot of good times and a lot of bad times. It is very, very easy and politically popular to cut taxes during the good times, but unless you're prepared to raise them again, during the bad times, you're automatically setting yourself up for permanent budget deficits, which, of course, we can't have, but we would not have enough money to run government. That's why, and I apologize for repeating it, but you've all heard me say it, and I will say it again, the real fiscally responsible thing to do is set a responsible millage, keep that during good times when you run surplus surpluses, you should be doing one-time capital expenditures, and you should be building your reserves, because I promise you that there will be bad times. And when those bad times come, we do not want to lay people off. We do not want to have to cut salaries of employees uh, or tell them, yes, guess what? I know you thought you were going to be paid for 40 hours, but you're only working 32. Um, what we should be doing is building our reserves. I agree with you. We should not have profligate spending. We should not be saying, hey, look at all the money we have this year. We're going to raise everybody's salaries. We're going to do everything in giant recurring um, revenue because the problem with recurring is it's mouths to feed every year, and we know bad times will come. Or what was that on Game of Thrones? Winter is coming? Or I, I don't know when it's coming, but I know that it is, and so that's why, respectfully, I think that the more responsible thing to do, as I keep saying, is to build our reserves and do capital, because when the economy turns, and it will, we're not going to have money for the capital expenditures, and that's why you do the capital and you set the money aside for the capital when times are good. Having now issued my concurring and dissenting opinion. Um, I had one question, and this is a question, Ms. Sapero, that I asked you every year, and I've asked Bertha when she was the county administrator, and it's on page seven. And every year when I look at our financing needs on the needs that we have listed, every year there is a line that says something like, I don't know if the wording is always the same, future revenue source to be determined in millions, but I've always seen that our expected availability for payment is always substantially less than what each county administrator has listed on what they expect we're going to need to spend. Can I ask you to reconcile those those statements and how 
I mean, how do you think these are going to be paid for? And by the way, this is only listing four, five, six, seven items. While if I look on um, one of the other pages, I think it's uh, page 11, um, we end up, now I know some of these are already covered, but I always, I think if the total amount that you are proposing or saying we will need to spend is substantially in excess of our ability to pay. Uh, any ideas on how we would end up? Would this be more bonding, or how would we be paying for this? So, so you're right. You do ask this question. I remember from years before. Um, and, and, and so the answer is 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 really a, a combination of things. So um, these projects that you see on page seven are are things that we see. Um, coming down the pike that we um, have as a body and um, county administration has committed to to putting into play. Now, when you, we don't have um, the, the those uh, those funds identified of how to fund them, it is it's a combination of we will be proposing in the future with more pay as you go, the pay go, this mm -hmm. exact body of um, of funding, as well as a possible. Um, debt issuance. So there'll be combinations. It'll depend on the market. It'll depend on the condition of the market. It'll con it'll depend on how much money we've got in reserves or for one-time capital expenditures. Um, it will depend on the timing of these projects because um, they're not all ready to be teed off at the same time. It'll depend on the scope of those projects and how um, large or small they will be. Um, for example, we've talked about uh, in, in this conversation here, South Regional Courthouse and the Government Center. So depending on the size and complexity of those projects, there'll be more or less need for different components or the size of how much PAYGO and debt. So that's why there's, there's, a, there's a delta there that's not really accounted for because there are so many unknowns for those projects and the timing. Um, that being said, when you look at um, the other slide that you were uh, referencing, slide 11, um, as you just aptly said, um, a lot of those are already in queue, and some of these are things that are fully covered within that slide, and we do have those identified. Um, and a lot of those are with this one-time money. Okay. So uh, that avoids the need for issuance of debt for some of those types of things if you're able to capture them. Um, and like one that just caught my eye is the bark central expansion that is not necessarily in this area but that's part of that the opioid money and things like that so there's a little bit of combination of of different sources that are that are captured here thank you that was actually a very good and, and comprehensive answer i guess a lot is depending on millage rates excuse me on, on interest rates yeah. when we have to issue you know debt to pay for a lot of that so that made a lot of sense i note that there's the 50 million is scheduled for design costs. I believe a rule of thumb is that uh, design costs are typically around 15% of the total cost of at the expenditure. So since I just saw this number now, I haven't been able norm if 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 15% of the total expenditure is Fifty million. Then what are what would that turn out to as the total expenditure on the building? Okay. 
Um, 333 may be a, a, a correct number. It's a lot lower than the number yeah. we have previously been discussing. I'm not sure that, you know, maybe it should be 233, but I, I'm not I'm not morally objecting to this until I see the plans. It's, it's, it's 150, no, actually the last one was we we're going to be 60% of a billion dollar building. So uh, we're cut, cut that almost in half. So, you know, we're getting there. Um, other than that, I think you've done a good job, and thank you for it. Thank, thank you. you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Senator. Vice Mayor, followed by oh. Commissioner McKenzie. Thank you, Mayor. Um, well, I guess it won't surprise anybody that I'm on the opposite side of this uh, discussion. I, um, I do not favor reducing our millage. I do favor looking at uh, the costs of some of these buildings. Uh, but I, I use as an example uh, the money that we have put into affordable housing where we had to come back and use our gap financing because of increased construction costs and uh, land costs and so forth. And, uh, and uh, you know, those costs are, are, are rising and we really don't have a lot of control over that. If, and, Building affordable housing, I think, is one of our top priorities. So uh, that's just an example. I've watched this happen in the legislature so many times when I was there, uh, where you know they reduced the millage or they reduced taxes, and never, ever does it get put back again. Just doesn't. And they just keep reducing it. And I just think we cannot do that here. In good times, I agree with what Senator Geller was saying. You, you, you build up your reserves, you do one-time capital, you do things that are not recurring. We have, uh, um, we, we have so many needs in this community. And I, I just, I, I, we just have to think about all the people that live here that cannot afford to live here. And yet we need all those people for our economic development. We need affordable housing. We have an increase in homelessness. Um, we have increases in evictions. We have so many people whose salaries don't enable them to, uh, to have a living wage where they can afford housing in Broward County. We have oh, well over 50% of people that are uh, underwater when it comes to whether or not they're cost burdened for affordable housing. Um, we have human services, and I know that Senator Geller has brought up this many times, uh, and we still haven't come back <laughs> to supporting human services the way we did during a good time that we had. In a bad time, we cut them, we cut it. Now, we have more needs than ever. We have increased mental health needs, increased suicides, substance abuse issues. Uh, I, I can just go down the list of, of human services that uh, that you know, where people really need help. And we have a huge senior population that's under such stress right now. I, I just do not see us, we, do, we, didn't, we haven't increased the millage since the time I've been on this board. And I don't think we should increase or decrease it. I think we should leave it the way it is. What I do think we should do is to better explain to the taxpayers out there what the millage constitutes that they're looking at when they receive their tax bills because we're getting calls as if we had raised our millage. We didn't raise our millage, but there are other things 
on that tax bill that were raised. And I'm not saying I disagree with those. The school tax numbers went up because they, they needed to pay their teachers more. So that went up. Wastewater, fire, all those things. So, but I think we need to do a better job of saying that we have maintained our millage and also sharing what the, what the needs are for people in this community. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Commissioner McKenzie, followed by Commissioner Rogers. I don't know if I, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I can't agree and disagree in the, in the same terminology, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> and I do want to say that I think we all speak from the same um, sheet of paper in terms of um, what the needs are. And I agree that capital projects can be pulled back um, based on what we want to do or what we direct um, staff to do. And I was a part of the uh, joint governmental center fiasco. And I, and I knew, um, I'll call it more a fiasco from where I sat than where you were when I sat in the room. I knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere. Um, I feel good now where we are and what uh, we are trying to accomplish in terms of government center. So when I see the 52 million and you say East, this East is what we're in now and we're gonna build something new somewhere else or we're gonna build here. So when we talk about the East, we're talking about <clears throat> this complex and so we're looking to build either on this exact site that we're on or an adjacent site that we have here in the downtown um, area. So and, and that we number have, is 62 million. That, that's the design amount. That's I, what we're, yes. Yeah. That's what we have budgeted thus far uh, for the design. And so um, we do have something that we plan on bringing back to the commission mm -hmm. in the next probably by during October is what I'm thinking, um, <clears throat> where we will be discussing the government center, uh, government governmental center project so and, that'll be coming no it won't be in plantation but um i think there's a need for that i mean this building is evident that something needs to happen does it need to be world class like we talked about when we came in front of those cameras two or three years ago as a, as a collective bar, uh, a body no but it needs to serve a purpose um it needs to be habitable uh and functional so i, I agree with that but as we talk, and you've heard me talk before about, we, 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 we say that it's good times. This is not a good time. These are not good times. Because when we talk about mental health and some of the things that uh, Senator Rich talked about, um, these are some of the crises that we're, that, that we're facing. And I speak to it all the time. Uh, the inflated housing values that we have is how we get this pot of money and it affects me and I think I do okay I don't do all right I do okay but on, Robert, you got plenty of money. yeah you took it <laughs> <laughs> but I look at some of my proposed tax bills uh, when, it, when it, they just came out saying don't pay this and I'm looking at two and three thousand dollar increments uh, increases from what I did last year um, 
And I know how it's calculated. I don't need anyone in this room to tell me how it's calculated and, and all those things. But I use just one piece of property I have that used to be I paid thirty eight grand for. It's a three hundred something thousand dollar piece of property. I don't see that. Now I know on the open market I can get that and I can you know take that and barter with it. But people are struggling. The homeless that we once talked about. That's not the new homeless. It's people like the people in this room. One payment from falling through the cracks. So I do want to see some effort to roll things back if we can. And when that day comes that we have to make those tough decisions, I think we'll have a strong enough body here and staff to say we got to raise it. Even in the city of Fort Lauderdale, when I was there, I was on one of them, I talked about moving the millage rate. If things got that bad, if that's what we need to do, because people in the districts, uh, the district that I served, water became one of the hardest things to pay for in the city of Fort Lauderdale. You know, because it's not just the $200 bill that comes, it's all the assessments from the, improve, the capital improvements. And I had my fixed income seniors suffering. So as I sit here today to embark upon embracing a budget, I would like to see in these good times that we talk about giving something back. And I love the way you crown this phrase, the ones that write the checks. We get this money from the taxes. And we've never once turned around and said, hey, you know what? Here's something back, or here's a reduction. What we've enjoyed this new assessment that probably came into play about 20-something years ago on, on uh, Lori Parrish, I believe it was. She went back and she corrected things, and it was the right thing to do. But the, the rate of the inflation of the, 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 the house or the unit, it's, it's humongous. And I would like to see us, you know, pause. Um, it's not good enough. I think reduction but I do want to make sure that we capture uh, some of the capital improvement projects that we talked about some of these 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 projects we don't have to do the governmental center is a must the forensic lab is a must based on the state of our current conditions of, 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 of those properties or this property and I watched it I watched this happen in the city of Fort Lauderdale. I wasn't part of the commission in Lockhart Stadium, a lot of our um, municipal buildings, parks, even um, some of the street projects. Uh, when they, they, they laid off folks and, and we stopped maintaining our infrastructure. And then 10, 15 years later, it started blowing up. A lockout stadium fell down, fell down, fell into disarray. Uh, we got a lucky uh, hit on that um, uh, with the soccer team, but we must maintain um, our buildings, but some buildings, like the one we're in, and probably the, um, the forensic lab, um, we don't need to invest any more money in those properties. But some of this other stuff I think we can look at and figure out a way. I'm, I'm looking to you, Monica, and your staff to, to give me that snapshot. I'm not the one with the calculator. 
Norm, I'm the policymaker, but I'm, uh, show me how we could, how, give me an a, a and a B example. A, how we could do it to roll it back. And B, in my opinion, is just what we, what we I think we all want to do uh, or, or will do is, is maintain. I watched the city of Fort Lauderdale for years, and they maintain, maintain three, three commissions. It's easy to maintain, but the property values are not maintaining the same um, rate. They're inflated each and every year, and it concerns me. Because at some point, if it's not a good market, as the indicators give us, we're going to be underwater. We've seen it happen before. So it's just a, a, mat, a matter of when you cash in your chips. When you cash in your chips. But there is a serious economic crisis out here now. That I mean, look at gas. I mean, look at the thing, look, grocery store. And we all feel it. But we're not talking about it here. I, would, I wish. And I pray that we could we could roll this back. How does that look? I don't know. But I wanted to just talk about it today openly as we move forward to, uh, to adopt our, our budgets. And we'll never be able, able to deal with um, the true snapshot of affordable housing. We just, we just won't be able to do it. And, and Senator Dan Rich uh, reminded me a couple of times that, you know, we, um, we aren't growing any, any more land. And the land that we do have is not cheap anymore. And, but I think we're putting our best foot or feet forward to address it. And you guys done a, did a great job before I got here. I know we're going to continue that momentum. Uh, I don't know how we do it. I just don't know how we do it because when we put this money into these affordable housing units, the number is still not an affordable number. It sounds good. It feels good because we put forth an effort. But these numbers do not work. And the phone calls in my office during the break quadrupled. And probably every other phone call was housing, housing. And some of those people were people who looked just like the people in this room that had been working for years, and then all of a sudden, the switch went off. Something happened, and it triggered something, and they no longer have what they had. So I think in these good times, we need to really consider rolling back, um, but at the same time, making sure we capture those important things that you've identified uh, as our, as our um, administrator. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Rogers. I could say amen and nothing else, but I won't. But I'm going to be brief because I, I can tell you I agree with or vice mayor, and I agree with my colleague to the right. When we talk about the rollback rate, I am saying to all of us, what would that revenue be? And that is rolling back to generate the same dollars that you had last year, in, in 23, rather. That's what, to me, the rollback rate means. A rollback rate means generating the same 
revenue you had that in 2023, right? I, I haven't looked at fully what that was last in 2023 and what you're projecting for 2024. But if it does not include assisting, hardening the properties, helping our seniors who you know, the report states it, um, surviving on fixed incomes. They reminded me last night, I was in Sunrise, and they reminded my income is $300 a month. I said, okay, what is the county doing? And I said, yes, we've given legal aid some money to help you to fight the landlord and the property managers because that was the concerns I was hearing from over 200 seniors last night. I'm saying, where does, where's that reflected in this budget? I know we have conversation and I hear us asking for another conversation and I know how to count votes. I think I've been around long enough to know how to count votes, but I'm asking us to really think about those that cannot afford it and who are responsibility because we depend on those properties for the revenues that we're spending, right? We have to remember those people, some of them, and the report stated 15,000 just really cannot spend, afford to live here anymore. And the attorney told us the foreclosure rates are going up. Do we really know in what areas of our county that experience is more than some? Are we looking at it that closely? Do you know where your revenue, you will not get those revenues from like you're experiencing and enjoying today? So I'm off that soapbox because I know we all understand it, but we all need to try and see how we can help. They're not asking for a handout. They're different ways, colleagues. Just how we find the different ways to do everything else that we want to do. I don't need to work in a Taj Mahal. I'm not looking for that. Everybody that knows me know I'm not expecting government building to look better than the residents that live in our county. They are struggling. They don't want to see it. So I'll, I'll make that specific comment relative to the government building and what we're spending. Then I will speak to... Um, it is hard out here. I hear us talking about, yes, they cannot afford it. They cannot afford the supermarkets anymore. They'll tell you their medication, the cost of all of that, we know it. I am asking that we consider putting funding in this budget to help those that need it the most. Hardening, find a way. We can have discussion, bring private sector in. Beck Polikoff was at the table with the um, state government when they were looking at the impact on that glitch bill, okay? They were there at the table. They can be at the table for us to see how we come up with a solution that will help our seniors, those that specifically live in these condos, these aging condos, that we're asking them to do all of this and then we're asking them to pay for it. They don't have it. And what are we going to do, lean their properties? And then we're sitting here seeing all of these foreclosures. 
I'm trusting we're going to monitor the foreclosures. I'm trusting that we're going to try and staff can do it without us directing them not to do it. Staff can do their jobs by seeing the impact, where the revenue shortage is going to be, how our residents can't afford to work here and live here, and the travel costs back and forth. You know, I stepped out of the view and asked the attorney when we were looking at the taxes, transportation tax bill, and we were telling the residents all the things that we were going to do with the funding. I know we weren't, we did not get into detail as to the rail and where it is going to go and the cost of that. So no one was thinking serious about that heavy lift on the rail side of the issue that is taken away from what they probably envision the dollars would be used for. But I love that we're looking at rail. What I don't know if we really knew the impact and what was going to come out of those dollars when we were voting on it. I know I didn't think of the type of rail, putting down rails. I know that was the rails wasn't owned by the county, so it was private sector that owned the rails. Right now I know the transportation that we are proposing. I think, did I see something here that we were putting down tracks or maybe I was not understanding what we were saying. So take me back there, Monica. Not, certainly not, we're not putting down tracks. It, well, it's uh, just the expansion of uh, a wealthy creation of a county uh, rail, commuter rail program. We're not like. And where is it gonna run on the roadway or we have to put on tracks? Go ahead. What were you saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. So, sorry. So light rail, yes. My apologies. I was talking about the commuter program. But light rail, yes. We will be putting down um, tracks for the light rail system that we would eventually get to. But that the first leg will be that connector that we talk, talk about. about. Um, but it wouldn't be in the general capital program. I just want to make sure you understood that. Yes. So. Where would it be coming from? We'd have to pay for it anyway. Right. But we'll be looking at through the surtax. Through the surtax. Yes. Okay. And, and we have th those projects laid out in future years. I'm also saying they're laid out. We're planning, to, we're budgeting for that. We're going to build reserves to help to cover it, or we're going to plan to float a bond. It's, I don't know how you're going to pay for it because it's not very clear as of yet. It's five years surtax. out. It'll be surtax. All of that will be surtax. Yes. Okay. All right, then we can also consider how we can help our residents is what I'm also adding to this discussion, that we are looking at those condominiums that are 30 years old, 40 years old. You think you're going to get the same reg uh, revenue from those buildings if they're not hardened? Are you expecting to get the same revenue? They're going to be devalued if we don't assist, if we can't ensure that those buildings we have to lend some support to protect the interests of the county. The county generates its, its general revenue funding from property tax, the lowest hanging fruits. We always seem to go there, okay? We'll help them to sustain that low hanging fruit. I help them to be able to afford to live here and afford to pay their taxes 
and afford to pay the maintenance and afford all of those things. So that is where my heart is for the seniors who can't afford it. And I can see properties being foreclosed and I can see who will be owning those properties. And I can see those that have lost their properties walking up and down the sidewalk where their homes were. I've seen it in our communities. They just walk, they peruse that property for a year before they know and it registered that they have lost their homes. 2007, 2008 is right around the corner. You hear about a recession, let's know that when that happens, your revenue is reduced and property values go decrease and here and what else. So I thank you. I will say thank you for budget that sometimes I think I can support and then another time I'm thinking this area of your budget where capital projects are that we need to look at it and the area in your budget that deals with um, hardening of buildings and you can send me to the federal government but I'm saying Broad County must take responsibility for some of the things that we can do to help our residents and it's not on, only in the social service era where you're giving me free food you're giving me section hate we're not looking for, i don't think the community is looking for that they just can't afford it their incomes will never go up these are the seniors that i'm asking you to look at the low income families that i'm asking you to look at not just everybody and that is not hard to do because you're going to generate a return on that investment because the values will be sustained. And I thank you for listening. Thank you, Commissioner Rogers. Commissioner Ryan. Some may suggest that uh, we are in the midst of a uh, serious economic crisis. Um, my estimation is you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, Compared to uh, what we had with the Great Recession, I think some of us may have actually uh, forgotten the extent of the pain and uh, the number of persons who were actually really on the precipice of, you know, losing their homes and, uh, you know, all of the, uh, you know, attendant circumstances with that. So um, what we do in local government and, you know, uh, any of us that, you know, have been up in Tallahassee, you know, recognize it's the same situation at the county level, the city level, the state level, that being that um, you can't deficit spend. And so the only way to really, you know, fortify yourself against the, uh, the downturns that are inevitable um, is to uh, build up a reserve and to have uh, adequate uh, funding for your, uh, your capital improvements. Uh, when I first came here in 2012, um, at that time, I mean, we were, I don't know, spending, you know, maybe like uh, five or $10 million on, on, on capital programs, you know, almost for the like entire budget year. I mean, we were just, trying to get through 
the end of the uh, 2007, 2008, 2009 uh, recession. Uh, slowly and surely, through what I felt was some very good uh, stewardship, uh, we were able to uh, build up the reserves and uh, and build up you know some adequate um, uh, you know capital investment. So this puts us in a very good posture uh, now. So you know it's very very uh, you know appealing to say um, this is a you know, surplus year. Let's give some of it back to the uh, to the taxpayers. Um, I agree. I mean that is a uh, a great idea, but um, what we see on the horizon, I mean, we just barely, in, in my view, you know, uh, worked to a, uh, a soft landing, and we're not there yet. I mean, we just had, uh, was it next week, we're going to have a determination on whether or not there'll be another quarter point uh, raise. So this puts a lot of pressure on, on everybody. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I hear it as, you know, my colleagues do. Uh, there are a great number of people that are, you know, uh, one missed paycheck away from, you know, a calamity. Uh, so, I mean, for us, we have to be able, you know, in my estimation, to, to, um, to have, uh, you know, some um, reserve in place and we end up using that reserve for, uh, you know, difficult economic times. I mean, you're not supposed to uh, uh, really, uh, you know, if, if you uh, lower your, um, you know, your, your tax rate uh, during the good times, it ends up being kind of uh, counterintuitive because you place yourself in a position where you either have to, uh, you know, lay off essential workers, uh, you know, at the county level, or you're going to have a substantial, uh, you know, loss in, uh, you know, our, our productivity, our ability, you know, to meet the needs of, of this county. So, you know, we, we, everybody talks about affordable housing, and obviously that's very, very important. But, you know, the other uh, big aspect is, you know, how do you, how do you prime the pump? How do you get to the point where, uh, we have uh, developed a uh, kind of like a, an economic vitality so that, you know, persons have the opportunity uh, to get a good paying job and, uh, and to do well. So um, I don't want to make that more difficult than, uh, you know, what we, uh, what we need to do. Uh, you know, if members collectively you think, well, geez, we do have an adequate reserve uh, we do, uh, you know, have our uh, our capital uh, budget and our capital programs uh, where we want them to be. Um, you know, then I mean, we can revisit it, but uh, it's a lot, lot easier to uh, go th uh, and access reserves when these difficult times, you know, uh, come. And it's been, geez, what has it been like? Fifteen years before we since we've had a recession, and you know. Nothing lasts forever, uh, so I, I'm not really keen on uh, making what would appear to be like a, a, a minuscule, uh, uh, you know, uh, tax reduction. That in reality, I, I just don't know how much it accomplishes, other than you know, this is a message that you know we're trying to keep your taxes as as low as possible. 
I look at it on the uh, on the other side. Um, how can we, uh, you know, perform, uh, you know, as as well as possible for those persons who are, you know, facing some of the most difficult challenges, you know, uh, you know, throughout our community. And uh, so I um, I would suggest that uh, we look at our reserves and and you know I look to you folks. I mean, you know. You know, to Norm, to, uh, to George, you know, Monica, and, you know, you tell us if you think that we are at an acceptable level, uh, you know, as far as, as you know, our reserves and our, our, capital, our, our capital programs. Uh, because if we're not, you know, it's, um, uh, there's some changes that are going to occur on the horizon, and, and the best uh, that we are prepared to address those now uh, we won't be back here next year saying, geez, I wish we would have done this or that uh, as far as, you know, uh, continuing to kind of fortify our, uh, our capital reserves. Thank you. So I guess I'll wind up here. Um, go ahead, Commissioner Dean. Go ahead. I'm not going to reiterate everything I said, but just to clarify some things that I think were said that I didn't really mean so that county administration understands. I'm not saying to go back to the rollback rate. That was never my, I, I never said that to begin with. I know we're not going back to the roll rate. Uh, what I did say is, and what I do mean to say is, there's three components to our millage rate as I understand it, and one of our great budget people can correct me. There's the general fund millage rate, there's the capital millage rate, and there's the voted debt service that we voted for a park and open space bond a number of years ago. Those are the three components that make up our overall mill rate. The one that we voted on for our debt and for our open space, the public has been paying that back. So what we're simply doing is saying that number's going down every year. We're just taking that number and throwing it in to the general capital millage, to the capital millage rate. So that's the money that I think we told the public. When we went to the public on this voted debt, we never said to the public, by the way, once you do this, that means the millage rate is never going away they voted for a specific thing they were going to pay it off i wasn't here at the time i'm sure drew or someone who was here they voted for a 20-year bond and at some point it's going to end maybe even been before drew's time but it's going down as we go down and that's the dollars i think we should be looking at second thing is those dollars don't go anywhere near any of our county safety nets because the dollars that we're talking about there is not being put into the general fund. So anything that anybody talked about, there's no person that has to get laid off. There's no one that will lose their job. This is money that's from the bond that we're paying down into the general capital fund. The, the, the second thing, and I agree with Senator Geller, and that's why I've tried to bring this up during the workshops because I've been in local government, and I hate when local government people do this, and they say, let's lower the millage rate, and then the other four or five people that you're on the dais with, it was five when I was in the city, they're like, well, he, he just wants to lower it. He knows the votes aren't going to be there. Now he can just say he lowered the millage, and he won't do that. That's why I've been, I've been telegraphing this the whole time. I have raised millage before when I was a mayor of a city. Sometimes you need to raise the millage. We could raise the millage again in the future. But if we can't lower it this year, like our neighboring counties are lowering it, we might as well say we're never lowering the millage rate and just tell the public the millage rate is never going down. All I'm saying here is let's bend the curve. 
so that we help our residents that live in Broward County, that own homes in Broward County, and that can go from there. No one needs to lose a job. And the last thing I'm going to say on, on this thing, because we put a lot of money into this every year, and I'm happy to debate any of the people that want to debate, even though we're not allowed to really debate off the stage here. We throw a ton of money into affordable housing. We're right to put money into affordable housing, but we're not solving the problem. We're not even making a dent in the problem. The problem is worse this year than it was last year after spending hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just the way it is. I don't want it to be that way, but that's the way it is. And the sooner that we accept reality and the whatever number of new units we're building, the, the 500, the 1,000 people that are getting those new units, they're going to be in good shape. They're going to be happy. They're getting a new affordable housing unit. But we're putting more people onto the rolls of needing these services because these, these prices are going up. And yes, the business community has been a very good partner for us here. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. And the business to community can fix this problem way faster than we can. Pay people more. Let the business community pay people more. There's a numerator and there's a denominator on every one of these issues. But no one wants to pay anybody more. They want to then say, okay, county, come up with more affordable housing. It's not going to be an issue we're going to be able to solve. So I, I, again, I'm reiterating, take the money from the bond that we've paid down and lower the millage rate. Okay, now we've started a debate and I haven't had a chance to speak, but go ahead, Vice Mayor. Okay, just one quick thing. I would just suggest that we wait uh, until we have Dr. Murray come in with the analysis he's been doing in this community for months now and the focus groups all over this county telling us what the need is for affordable housing and what we should be doing. And they're developing a draft 10-year plan that will be coming before us. And I suggest that we wait and everybody can see what the people out there across the board have said about affordable housing. The plan won't work. The 10-year plan won't work. Okay. I'm happy to have Dr. Murray come and we okay. can debate it. Very good. Senator, a comment on a comment, is that correct? Because I, I don't yeah. like to get to my comments, but go ahead. I just want to point out also that most of the affordable housing that we're building, it, people that are earning 80, 90, 100,000 a year, it's for them. Of course, we're building workforce housing, which is up to, uh, I've seen both 120 and 140% of AMI. AMI is, I think, 77,000. We're building very little of the low or very low income affordable housing. I believe that's what I've heard my two colleagues to the left okay. refer to most. And I know Senator Rich has referred to that also from time to time. So I just wanted to make that Not one point. Person. Thank Senator you. Senator Rich uh, 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 disagrees with that comment, but that's okay. Okay. All right. I'll wind up, and then we can we can have uh, Mr. Shapiro uh, answer some questions that were that were um, were ready to go. It was it was and it was productive a debate, and I like that. I think this commission is uh, is very passionate on on their beliefs for their districts and for the entire county. I mean, we have to, we look at districts 
we also, we all look at the county as a whole of all two million people. And I too would love to jump and say, let's lower the millage rate. I think it's a, an opportunity maybe to show the residents, but I also have to look at the realistic, in my opinion, the realistic consequences of that that might occur. Now, having said that, like Commissioner Dean, first of all, when we talk about our government center, um, Commissioner Dean talked about there's multiple buildings in the area for sale that could accommodate us. If you could get the real estate department to work on that so we could get a list of those multiple properties that Mr. Dean was talking about, that would help me because that might solve a problem on not having to build a government center. So definitely if you want to share that with the real estate uh, department, that would be great. Uh, well, you, you said it is serious. So I was just I was just trying to figure out. There's stuff for sale down here and so, you know, you, you have to also roll back, and a lot of our f folks here sitting here has been at the municipal level and at the state level, too. Um, I was fortunate to serve in that capacity um, during the downturns at the city of Pompano Beach. And, you know, despite my city manager, who was so tight his shoe squeaked as he walked, uh, <laughs> was a blessing. And I say that he was a blessing in the sense that he had the foresight to say, hey, there are going to be bad times, therefore we want to make sure that we build our reserves strong enough so when it does hit, that we are not forced to raise the millage rate on our residents of Pompano Beach. And I think I carry that same philosophy here. And we talk about it's good times, and I hear somebody say, well, it's not good times, and it's, you know, so we go back and forth, and, you know, if you roll back this, but there's something that's going to have to be suffered. There's going to have to be consequences for something. And if we focus on the capital budget, which I'm not against, but what are those ramifications are because costs are going to continue to go up regardless. If we don't do a capital project today, we put it off for five years from now, it's probably going to cost a third or a half more at the end of the day. So cost of money, cost of supplies, all of those good service costs, capital costs uh, are all going to be going up. So is it more beneficial to do today versus we don't know what the future is going to hold at the, at the end of the day. What I don't want to get into an issue is definitely don't want to lower and then have to come back during that specific time. I think this constituents are going to say, well, you lowered, but now all of a sudden you got to go back or even higher. I think that's counterproductive at the, at the end of the day to do that. And I think we have been able, before I was here, how many years, Monica, we've been able to keep the millage the same? multiple years and I know property taxes have gone up I get that but but as how, seven years we've been able to keep it the same and if we continue that momentum because I'm not into raising taxes we'll never be into raising taxes at the end of the day but costs go up so it's not like we can just okay let's do this every it's costing not only the public you know, uh, out there, our constituents also costing us as a government uh, at the end of the day, almost to the tune of more, which is never understand the private sector can do better than what government can do as far as costs. So I, we want to be fiscal responsible. I get that. And I've, I've always been fiscal responsible, but we also have to plan for the future. And this is a cycle, folks. I'm 62 years old and I've seen multiple. I'm in the real estate industry. It's, it's a cycle and it's going to happen again. And those in, those are. You look fantastic. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, 
you're gonna you're gonna have those. You're gonna have yeah. It's the the Botox, the Botox, baby. Uh, it's gonna happen again. So we we have to be looking at the future, and I think that's what administration is doing right now is to get prepared for when we do have that have that dip. The pay as you go, I like. Again, had that philosophy at Pompano. I think it works, um, but we can't have enough reserves because when that happens we're going to be able to sit back and say okay that middle rate is going to stay the same it's not going to go up and so again I the philosophy I love it but at the end of the day if it just focused on capital now's the time to do the capital because the future is going to cost us a heck of a lot more and then we're not going to be able to do it because we're not going to have enough money to do it so again healthy discussion and I think the philosophies are, are great ultimately it's the board's decision to make that policy uh, Ms. Sapir, do you want to wind up with any uh, comments from the board's comments? Are you going to number five, which is a recap too? How do you want to handle that? So, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of good discussion and dialogue and, and um, we've captured the notes um, from, from the conversation and, um, you know, we'll continue this conversation, Mayor, at the um, uh, sub September 7th uh, budget public hearing. Uh, which I think is appropriate and and honestly it's you know on both sides of the issue I mean it's clear uh, you all understand exactly what we're faced with um, and and just to reiterate you know you asked me for some comments earlier on also and I wanted to make sure I heard from everyone but essentially what we're doing in this in this recommended budget is exactly um, what you all have captured it's it's the you know use of a particular general capital program is the use of the one-time um, um, revenues for for capital expenditures um, so that that would help offset as we move forward um, uh, future uh, needs and costs um, we have we've in the budget as a whole we've also increased reserves um, and it is for those those very difficult times that you know we, we will face because uh, that's just cyclical and it just is the nature of, of where, how we live um, you know we we have really put this budget together with the philosophy and and if you look back at i think it was sent out earlier this past week the kind of some of the responses that we sent back for um the conversations and questions that came up at the last budget workshop um you know there was some some narrative there that i wanted to make sure was, it was important to capture and it was you know really about that we govern our our budget uh, that we put together to, to follow the policies that are set forth by this board. Um, and really there's you know some fiscal policy that has been established um, for capital expenditures that really talks about um, maintaining our capital improvements uh, to the level required to adequately protect the county's investment and, and the investments that we've had over the length of many years. So um, unfortunately, we are not at what we would hope to be at for the maintenance of, of our, our infrastructure. Um, when I talk about infrastructure, I'm talking about our facilities, our buildings. Um, you know, I don't want anyone to ever come out of this room thinking that we're not doing that on our utility side or anything like that. That is absolutely, we're, we're on top of that. I don't want to um, give anyone any fears there. But, um, and, and you know, when we talk about a two to 4%, um, we're not quite there, but we, we really strive at um, and Commissioner Udin, to your point about, you know, don't put this building into that calculation. We put this building together, it's safe, but it's not, you know, 
really what we'd love to be in, um, and, it, and it does cost a little more money sometimes because of the age to really put the Band-Aids on certain areas and making sure our escalators are properly functioning, the air conditioning and, and some of our uh, electrical stuff is, is up, to, up to speed on that. But, um, but we do try to really maximize the ability and stretch the dollars as you talk about the squeaky shoes. Mine are, are very squeaky as well. And my team will know while we, um, we really sit down and look at all the needs and the priorities of this board that has established we really try to uh, make sure that um, we put your priorities and that of the community in these budgets, and that is what you have before you. So um, we try to maximize reserves um, and try to do it in a fashion that is responsible while still addressing the priorities and the needs of the community um, and um, protecting the investments that have been made over the years. Um, with that, um, Mayor, I, I think we can just wrap up with the last slide on the, the last item. Yeah, let's do the last section, uh, section five, which is the budget update. And I think there's only one slide to that. Yes. So is, um, is before we do that, I think I've got my, I think we've got some more members of our budget team that have come in. I asked them and, I, and I, they were trying not to go to lunch because I thought we might wrap up a little bit earlier, but I, I wanted them to get- Can we have get our budget team stand, In the please? back, yes. Yeah. So I wanted to recognize our team, so. That's what I was trying to get to also. And I once looked that they do. They they watch you from their office, but I wanted them to come in so that so that um, they could um, get recognized because this is our final budget workshop right. uh, for the fiscal 24 year. And we obviously have our, our budget public hearings the next couple of meetings. But um, well, this board thanks each and every one of you really for your hard work. And it, it's not just budget time. You do it all year, all year long so year we appreciate round. you on that so so i will tell you that budget time is all year long um and and we start immediately already with the fiscal 25 um and that is why you get your budget on july 15th because they work all year long on this exact issue so thank you for the uh, ability to recognize them thank you Let's do that last slide if we can mr yeah, foster I think Norman is speaking on that. that for us we get to finally hear from norm on this yes he has a voice a big voice. <laughs> this is just an update on a chart that we usually give you yeah. each year. Um, the only difference is July 1st, um, we updated with the uh, property appraisers um, measurements for each of the CRA districts. And then I think on Davy, the date of the payments end has been updated. Uh, I think we picked it up um, from a um, different source earlier. So it's 2027, if I'm reading it correctly. So that's only changed, but um, the total for FY24 projected is a little bit higher with July 1st from the property appraiser than it was June 1st, but not six. And, and that was it because we have been doing, Commissioner, because we've been doing such a great job of updating you as we go. I meet with him, says Commissioner McKenzie, less is best. <laughs> um, we He's like Bob. Get over here, Bob. You know, he. Got to go over and talk to him. Yeah, he's really a good guy if you talk to him. So, Mr. Mayor, the only reason we really wanted to bring this slide forward to you as an update because it is a change from the last time you saw it. We had, I, I think, at the last budget workshop, we taught, we had this slide up. 
and we said we think there might be an update needed mm -hmm. and we said we would bring it back and that's why we wanted to make sure we brought it to you all so okay and we distributed that so that's it you. that wraps it up for us hey thanks again everybody thank you for a great workshop and uh, we'll see you of course on the hearings on september the 7th at 501 p.m so we'll see you then next course uh everybody have a great labor day weekend and um Public hearing, yeah, 501. We have our commission meeting, then a followed by the Bubbawood. That's it. So on September 7th, it'll be a Thursday? Yes, Thursday, September 7th, Commissioner. Thursday, September 7th. <laughs> Blessings. This meeting's adjourned. Thank you.